This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. King of Spot. New Japan Pro Wrestling. everybody to wrestling omakase it is episode number 78 and we've finally reached the end of our long journey the year interview series um i should have counted before we started but i believe we did seven of these this year uh and this is the very last one it's not the last one i'm recording but it is the last one all of you will hear the new japan pro wrestling year interview episode uh, you know i figured save probably the promotion with the most fan interest on this network for last. And I've got quite the team of guests here to join me. Um, first of all, from uh, VOW contributor, returning guest. Hello, August Baker. Hello, John. How have you been doing? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. It's been a good year. I know you volunteered for this one pretty quick because you said it was like the only promotion you actually watched with any level of detail. So well, it's uh, it's one reason it was a good year. I stopped watching WWE as much. <laughs> yes, I had a lot of free time. You were you were on our psychotic WWE interview last year, which <laughs> yeah. you you missed the one this year. So I, I listened to it though, and it it sounded like a <laughs> it was, therapy session. It was just a psychotic. Um, but thank you for coming on again, August. And then we have three new guests. Um, why don't we start with Evan? Hi, Evan. Greetings. Uh, you've actually been on this network before, as you just told me before you went on the air, on WrestleNomics, but this is your first time on Wrestling Omakase, so very happy to have you on here. How have you been doing? I'm good. Just got home from college yesterday, so now I can do stuff like this. 
Yeah, very fun stuff. Um, you're like the young another podcast. You have four, four old people on here with you. But yeah, I'm 20. Yeah, <laughs> we were actually discussing this like before you came on. We were talking about how because because Joel brought up a a video game Shemnu or Shemmu, whatever the hell it is, and we're just figuring out that you were like two years old when that came out. So there you go. Time marches on. Um, but thank you for coming on. And the final two new guests are both from the Super J cast on this very network. Um, let's start with Joel all the way from China. Hi, Joel. Hello, everybody. I'm uh, taking the morning out of my master's course to do this. So hopefully my professors don't listen to uh, Voices of Wrestling. Otherwise, I'm going to be in deep shit. <laughs> wow, the sacrifice to appear on this podcast. It's very... Uh... Very commendable. And our final yeah, I, I've guest... I've wanted to come on this for like six months, so uh, it, it's, it's about time. I don't know why, but I appreciate it. Our final guest is Damon. Hi, Damon. Hey, everybody. How's everybody? We're ready to talk a little uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm excited. I, was, I, I, I as well wanted to come on the show, but uh, scheduling and all that stuff. So I'm glad, uh, I'm glad to be on. This is going to be fun. A little year in review. Yes, so the New Japan year interview. Um, obviously, it was quite the year for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, some would say a mixed bag of a year. Some would say a fantastic year. So we're going to break it all down and see where we all uh, come down on. It all started with Wrestle Kingdom 12 and Tokyo Dome, which, you know, as most of you will be hearing this, will be almost time for Wrestle Kingdom 13. Um, I, you know, I think even most people who are fairly critical of the promotion would find it hard to describe the show as anything other than a pretty damn good show. Um, there of course is one major controversy in the, at the very end of it um, that I guess we can get into, but as far as the show overall, um, I guess, Joel, what did you, what did you think of wrestle kingdom 12? It was fantastic. And for me personally, being the first new Japan event that I went to live, it was so exciting for me to go to Japan and get in the Tokyo Dome for the first time. And I think possibly that live experience has uh, made it a lot more enjoyable for me than most people, because I know in our awards, at least Dominion uh, was a lot of people's favorites, but I absolutely love Wrestle Kingdom. There wasn't a bad match on the show. And I'm someone who likes the gauntlet matches. So I hold my hands up and say, I probably look upon those slightly more favorably than most people, but from top to bottom, it was just excellent. Nothing dips i mean what was the worst match on the show the tanahashi uh jay white match and even that wasn't bad so i just think this is just an outstanding show top to bottom now that, that is interesting i totally forgot that you went to the show um that was obviously like you said your first live new japan show where were you sit where are you seated at tokyo Dome? i have floor seats so um i think it was arena b but um it was basically right next to the spot where uh Izuka came rampaging out oh, during the gauntlet awesome. match, but just too far away to catch an Okada dollar. <laughs> and then Damon, you were there as well, right? Yeah, it's funny that you know we both were there, but we didn't know each other and we didn't meet each other. And um, well, yeah. I knew you, Damon. Well, yeah, he knew me. He just didn't know who I was. It's all right. Listen, uh, you know, look at look at where you are now. Um, yeah, so I was in what was it Arena. A section, I think it was in like row 
nine or something like that. So it was right behind the golden circle thing. Mm. Problem was, yeah. it's a big drinking day, big time drinking day. And then we had a meetup and I was like, just not in the right frame of mind. So I decided to start drinking strong zeros at like eight 30 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just pounding them down. And uh, yeah, the, like by the time Jay white and Tanahashi got on, they were struggling a little bit, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I do. I, I think it was a great show. Uh, let me let me pump the brakes. I so I went to this show and then I went to the the previous Wrestle Kingdom, and I think the previous one for me is a little bit more memorable. One it was the first, but also this past Wrestle Kingdom, I don't know if it had that that match that you walked away from the dome thinking, "Wow, that was that was a fucking great match." Yeah, I agree. Had a lot of really good matches, but nothing that knocked your pants off, right? And I, and I actually think 11, 11 had two, I think, because I think Tanahashi Naito was at, the, at that level too. Yeah, even yeah. Shibata. Uh, yeah. You know, you know, right after that intermission was just, you know, just one after the other, just pounding you. Yeah. Um, and, and again, you, you didn't, I, you felt like you were at an event. You felt like you were at something special. You felt like you were at, the coolest concert or the you know uh, just a fun time but again the, the, i guess the general feeling was one i mean no title change and i think a lot of people went into it expecting it you could sense it in the building and then the yeah st- i want to i want to ask you specifically about that so hold that thought and then Before. this was was you just didn't feel like you had that just blow away match that that that, that rocked you leaving the dome yeah i think okada naito was getting there and then it just like kind of abruptly ended which is i think one of the weird parts about that whole match um evan do you disagree at all with our consensus we're a reaching consensus here would you put 12 ahead of 11 i would not put 12 ahead of 11 i don't think so in um, fact i'd say that i've watched um i've watched four wrestle kingdoms live since i started becoming a fan uh 19 11 12 I'd probably say 12 is either the weakest or the second weakest from that uh, match quality perspective. Yeah. I pretty much agree. And I think the weird thing is 12 felt 12 felt like an easier watch at first because I think the undercard, like the opening stuff, is actually better than usual because you had the the Bucks and uh the Bucks or Punky 3K was really good. Um Coda Coda and Cody was like a miracle. And you know, even like the the heavyweight tag title match, but yeah, I don't know. Then like it ends on kind of a downer with the the last three matches to me not quite hitting the level of like a Wrestle Kingdom eleven like big post intermission, um, or the big like last four. August, do you disagree at all with this opinion? No, I pretty much concur with all that. Like my favorite match this year was uh, Jericho and Omega and. You know, that wasn't a five-star match, really. And we're kind of used to having at least one uh, on these really big Wrestle Kingdom shows. So it was it was a little disappointing, both for the ending and then you look back at it and it's like, well, it, it was a good show. It was a great show, but, you know, it didn't have that really great match of the year. Yeah, the closest thing to me was Suzuki and Goto, probably. But um, just the, the lames that Goto went in that match. To... I just didn't like that one as much as everyone else did. Oh, well, that's fair. 
So let's talk about the big story then, which is obviously the choice to go with um, having Okada retain the title against Naito. Um, so obviously, I think everybody knows my thoughts on that finish. You know, I probably told the story before, but like, I just like, I quite literally collapsed to the ground. Like, that's how like shocked and like distraught I was. But, you know, I pulled myself up pretty quick. But yeah, I mean, like, it was just, if I don't know, like, it felt like if that was the closest, and this is a compliment almost to New Japan, like that reaction where I just like, you know, hit the ground like in despair was the only time I can ever remember a pro wrestling result having that kind of impact on me that felt like a big, like your team losing a big sporting event, which in a weird way is a compliment, I guess, to New Japan and like the and to Naito and all that, that they made me care enough about the result of this silly fixed pro wrestling match. But it's also just like, I, I mean, I was also just legitimately stunned. Like I, I felt it, you know, like I think everybody kind of felt it as it was happening. Like once, you know, Naito missed that Stardust Press, and once Okada hits that Rainmaker, it started to feel like, oh my god, they're really doing this. But, you know, it still was stunning to have the the ref's hand hit three. So, let's start with the two in the building. Um, Damon, you were kind of touching on this, so what did it feel like in the building when Okada won? Was it... it, it, it like, did, yeah, it did feel a bit like a, like a balloon being deflated. Um, I, I, and again... People were there to see Naito win, I, I think, by and large. And I, I know when the three count happened, I mean, I looked over and I, you know, I always go every year with uh, uh, Real Hero Eric. And we just looked at each other and he whispered, like not whispered, but just but mouth the words. They did it again. And he was there when, it, and again, the roles were reversed and it was Okada against Tanahashi. And, yeah. and everyone in that building felt like, ah, oh, this is this is title change. This is this is a slam dunk, no no doubt about it. And it didn't happen. And it, and again, he he's just they did it again. Um, again, it wasn't like you know a, a fart in church, but it was you know deflating. Uh, there were there were everybody there, even if you weren't rooting for Naito. You still felt like you missed out on something special. You wanted to see the title change, and and it didn't happen. Joel, do you agree or disagree with that assessment from the builder? Yeah, being there, you just saw how many tens of thousands of people were wearing their Lij merchandise, their Naito merchandise. Um, but I guess the thing with the Japanese crowd, they're not going to vocally shit on it as a Western <laughs> audience would. So, like you said, it was just a lot of people walking out of the arena just looking pretty shell-shocked like they couldn't quite believe what they'd seen so uh yeah just echo what damon said i I genuinely felt that i was there gonna see this passing of the torch but it didn't happen everyone was expecting it to happen so i think everyone was stunned i don't think anyone was expecting okada to win even me wearing my rainmaker t-shirt now i want to be i want to be fair here too because um the you know, I'm sure Evan can tell us if he wants to bring up the graphs and all that. When this happened, I expected Naito. I expected Naito's popularity to take a big hit. I expected his merchandise to sell less. I expected like live gates to be down a little bit. I expected like a reaction, and pretty much none of that happened. I mean, it was actually the opposite. Like as far as I can tell, Naito's merchandise sold as well as it ever has this year. Unless Evan, do you have anything 
to say different. The last time I looked, it was always like in the top five, like normal. I don't know if you have any different data on that, Evan. I haven't been putting down numbers or anything like that, but yeah, I check periodically and LIJ is still big on selling merchandise. Yes. So the merch is still about the same. The pops sound the same and arena business. I, again, Evan can tell you it's been through the roof all year. So clearly for if, if I thought my first reaction to seeing it was, it was going to hurt, you know, business. It did not hurt business. Like that's, you know, that I, that I have to say up front. Um, Evan, do you have any thoughts on why that might be? Like, what do you think? What do you think about that result that maybe didn't have the kind of reaction, even though the fans of the building were stunned and maybe not thrilled with it? Why do you think it didn't end up having a negative effect on business? I think it's, well, far be it for me to talk about fans who I don't really know, but I guess most New Japan fans, especially in Japan, aren't willing to make or break their decisions based on the success of one guy. Mm. That, you know, New Japan's ensemble cast is one that is uh, able to keep people coming back for more, even if maybe even their favorite wrestler isn't succeeding as much as they want them to. Sorry, Evan, I think you broke up there. Um, I think that even if Am I hearing something in the background? No, I think we're, I don't hear anything. Okay. Um, I think that even if someone's favorite wrestler maybe isn't isn't succeeding as much as that fan might want them to, they're still a fan of New Japan, and they're still going to go when they're in town or whenever they feel like going. It's not yeah. like I don't. You did a tweet I saw. I think um, after uh, after Zach beat Naito in the G One, and you were like. We're not getting the Naito run. It's not happening. So stop having an emotional investment in New Japan. And I guess most Japanese fans don't think that way. Yeah. And they're still very emotionally invested in Naito. And I want to say that that tweet was very, I was very raw in that moment. It wasn't uh, necessarily, I've already, you know, not, not that I'm never going to be emotionally invested in Naito or New Japan again. It was very like, I was very angry when I tweeted that, but. Um, I, I didn't know what's going to have my G1 tweets thrown at me like that. I didn't really uh, know what to expect there. But um, I guess what Evan will save the receipts is what I've learned today. But August, um, you're you're more of a Naito fan than Evan, I think. Um, yeah, do you have any? Do you have favorite. any? Say he's been your favorite, right? Yeah. For like the last couple of years. So, do you have any insight into, into why you think maybe the Naito fandom just has been more resilient than people give them credit for, and maybe just hasn't dropped off even in the face of him losing the big one here? Well, uh, when when he lost, it reminded me of four years ago. This is not a wrestling thing, but the Kansas City Royals made it to the World Series. They're my favorite baseball team. And they made it to Game 7 of the World Series, and it was an extra innings, and they lost an extra innings, and I just, like you said, I just collapsed. I was so invested in their playoff run, and it just, it killed me to lose that way. So close. Uh, But they're still my favorite baseball team. And Mm. then the next year, they had a great year, and they won the whole World Series. And so it to me, it's kind of like that. Naito's still my favorite wrestler, even though he lost. Uh, I'm still hoping he gets 
that Tokyo Dome main event win. Maybe next year we'll see, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I and, and the, uh, maybe it's like false hope. At the end of the day, like you put the gun to my head and say, like, what will next? Will Naito be in the Tokyo Dome main event next year? I would say, yeah. So yeah, I'm kind of predicting he is, but we'll see. Yeah. And also, like they didn't, New Japan didn't stop pushing Lij people. Like the very next set of pay per views or events, whatever, New Beginnings had all Chaos versus Lij singles matches, you know. And so they they did not go away. They did not really get de-pushed any. So they're still on the forefront of a lot of these shows. Yeah, and I might not like the Jericho thing as much, but that's clearly a, a you know an effort to push him as well. So, um, Joel says he wants to chime in here on Naito. So, Joel, go ahead. Yeah, two points real quick. First thing, I think with uh, the long term storytelling that Gato does, I think he's built up enough credibility and goodwill where we can reasonably expect things to turn around for Naito at some point. So, I think that could be why a lot of Lij and Naito fans haven't abandoned the product yet. And secondly, his whole gimmick, like the sort of counterculture, um, anti-authority guy, is kind of built on him getting screwed by management. That's his whole thing. So, another huge example of it happening at the Tokyo Dome kind of builds to that aura, builds to the character. So, it's sort of on brand for Naito to get shafted in the main event of the Tokyo Dome. So, uh, I don't. I, I think those are two reasons why it hasn't derailed his popularity. Um, and then go ahead, Damon. You also had a point on this. Yeah, it, it, and, and the sports analogy is kind of right up my alley. It, 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 you know, the Kansas City Royals. I'm a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. So I know what it's like to lose. And I know what it's like to not uh, perform well when it counts. And I know what it's like to kind of have little glimmers of hope and maybe doing something unexpected and 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 then dying at the end, right? So when it happens, and I truly believe it will happen, but when it does happen, it, it, the taste of victory is just so much sweeter, right? I, I, I guess, I guess it, it, the difference would be being like a, a like a New England Patriots fan. Sorry for all the sports, but it's basically Okada, right? <laughs> winning all the time, and it's like okay, got another ring, yippity do, another parade. But if you're like a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Who you know, and in, 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 in a city that lives and dies by by you know American football, it, you know when they win, the, the, you know you lose your mind, and 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 you know you you think you're living in a dream. So I'm hoping that that's what they're going for that that long term slow burn. We're going to take you on a ride. We're going to rip your heart out of your chest. But at the end of the day, you're going to get rewarded even sweeter. Now I'm going to give the because I I agree. And I I like again gun to my head. I think Naito either wins the title this year or or this coming year 2019 or wins the G1 again but like what the pessimist view of all this would be well Naito's in the in the new Nakamura spot where he's going to win the white belt and maybe he'll get his teases on top but he's never going to get his real big heavyweight run which you know so far it's possible that's true, you know? That's possible that's where he's slotted. So I think that is what worries Naito fans. I wanted to express that worry. But it's cool that, that Evan brought that tweet because even going back to it, it's like I probably had almost the exact same reaction when he lost to Okada 
and they built me back up again for the G1 and then destroyed me again when he lost his Zack Sabre. Although I wasn't actually losing the Sabre. It was uh, when New Japan World fucking swirled it. Did, did you guys remember? Did you get swirled by this? Anybody? Where if you went on New Japan World like right after night two, um, like before, I guess before the final aired, like the they had the the graphic is like coming tomorrow, you know, Ibushi and Tanahashi before lots of people would have seen Naito or the the entire B Block final night. So that was a little annoying. But yeah, I mean, when I saw that, that was real, again, kind of ripped my heart out again. But I'm sure once Naito gets another title shot, you know, I'll be built back up again. Or is is Nakamura. Yeah, or is Nakamura. Evan wants to throw something in here. Go ahead, Evan. Well, the uh, Naito as a new Nakamura argument, it kind of bothers me because people don't really know what would have been next for Nakamura if he was still around. That's you know? fair. So I don't really think that that can be a th- like people like to imagine themselves as in the booker's minds. So like as, as if they know that Nakamura never would have gotten that opportunity. So I don't really like that um, when people use that comparison. That is very fair. I think the only thing people might be basing it off of is he himself like told Tokyo Sports he was tired of the white belt like right before he jumped, I believe. But that again, that's that doesn't mean that Gato always was going to slot him there. You know, they could just. I, I think if he had stayed, he probably would have feuded with Okada and eventually maybe won the title from him. But you know, we'll never. It's a different universe, clearly. Um, but yeah, that is a very good point. So I think we can move away from the Tokyo Dome then, and let's go into the New Beginning shows. Um, oh, New Year's Dash, obviously the big thing was Jericho attacking Naito, which kicked off the one-year journey that we've been on. Um, New Beginning, the the big story, I think, was obviously the Golden Lovers reunion. Um, does anybody have any strong thoughts on that? Let's see. Who would have strong thoughts on Golden Lovers? Joel, that, that'd probably be you. What do you think of the, the Golden Lovers reunion angle? Yeah, I thought it was great. Uh, as someone who... This story was new to me. I haven't followed DDT back in the day. And it just seemed to inspire a lot of goodwill in people. Um, there was some great stuff online, like Twitter threads explaining the whole story. And I was just really impressed at what a brilliant, slow burn, long-term story that they were telling. And I guess it hasn't really paid off yet. So I think there hasn't really been a moment that has been worthy of that initial reunion at New Beginning. But uh, certainly it was a heartwarming one, but I'd have to wait and see how it plays out because I was expecting it to have developed further at this point where it seems (laughs) it's been sort of put on the back burner. So so here's a... It it brings up a double-edged thing here because, first of all, clearly the actual teaming of them did not go to places people expected where they, you know, they just, they only have something like six or seven matches as a team the entire year. And Kenny ended up kind of back, you know, in the IWGP, you know, thick of things pretty quickly. The other part is that it's part of the, it was a big, a big like kickoff moment, I guess, of the, the Bullet Club Civil War feud that went for pretty much the entire year in two different phases uh, does anybody want to raise their hand as like a big fan of the Bolt Club Civil War? Was anyone really into that? No, no. <laughs> not really. Um, I, I just it, that to me, like if I'm if I'm going to pick out one thing that really dragged on this year in New Japan for me and really was not fun at all, just I did not enjoy it all. That would be it, especially the first phase. 
The second phase, I mean, it just the second phase just had no ending, but I actually kind of liked the Tongans kind of like rising up and felt like, well, you guys kind of have been ignored for no reason. This kind of feels justified. But this first thing with like Cody and Kenny, we had to watch being the elite to get like half the storyline and just Damon, what do, what do you want to say about the Bullet Club Civil War? You know, it, it, the, the sad part about it is that I think a lot of people were looking forward to some type of reuniting of Ibushi and Omega in some form, whether it be. And again, we always talked about it on, on our show was that glance, right? The AJ uh, involvement, and, you know, Ibushi and Omega and the, you know, that 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 glance that we always talked about and we always kind of built our hopes off of that what was apparently an impromptu uh glance and it just it was there for the taking and it and i really felt like it could have been great because like it or not bullet club was a central part of 2014 2015 2016 you know and so forth and it could have been monumental and it could have been something that we would be talking about now as a positive. And it just seemed like at every pass and every opportunity, it was a dropped ball. And it was just kind of like, oh, we know what it could be. And it just never delivered. Yeah, I totally agree. August, do you have any other thoughts on the Bullet Club? I, well, in jet, I guess the Golden Lovers reunion slash the Bullet Club Civil War in general. Um. Yeah, it was a little bit of a drop ball. There was some good stuff to it, like the the Young Bucks versus the Golden Lover tag match. I thought was it was really, really good. good. Yeah, um, I was not a huge fan of Cody getting title matches, so I don't think he's super great as a wrestler. But uh, no, it was it was it ended up being a little disappointing. It was it was good, but it could have been better <laughs> joel wants to jump in here go ahead joel yeah one silver lining a bit more shine given to hangman page throughout this initial split he was given some big singles matches and i think he really used this bullet club opportunity to make a name for himself yep that's a really good point joe hangman page did really elevate himself through all this he'd be the only person i could think of really that i think super benefited from it um the other big stories from new beginning you have tanahashi Losing the Intercontinental title to Suzuki. Um, pretty awesome match, I think. That was quite the match. Um, and the other two matches in Osaka with Okada um, retaining against Evil or against Sonata, Evil um, challenging Goto. It's, it was interesting the way they did that, using the tag titles to set that up, which is like the kind of thing. You know, I kind of have want, would have wanted to see them use the heavyweight tag titles for for quite a long time. Um, do you have any thoughts on that, Evan? Do you, did you enjoy the the heavyweight tie titles getting to mix in with the top level stuff? Yeah, and you heard the reaction when they when those four guys were in the tag match at Corican, right? Yeah, it was it was really loud. Yeah, so I really think that you know, I think a lot of people think that that's a direction they should go for in more where you have people who are credible top singles guys fighting for the tag belts to very levels of success. Yeah, and you know, if if Evil and Sonata win them back, you know, in a few days here at the Tokyo Dome, I think most people wouldn't mind them seeing them mix it up with the main eventers again, and they're very credible in that role. Um, the other thing here was Osprey retaining the junior title against Hiromu, which caused some convulsions at the time, but it would 
things would kind of work out for Hiromu and then not work out at all for Hiromu, unfortunately, but we'll see. Um, then we got into the Honor Rising so- shows, which really, really don't even really need to be mentioned. Um, unless anybody really feels strongly about Honor Rising. Um, not so much but- Rising, John, but, you know, again, we spoke with uh, Kevin Kelly, and in, and as we were recording this, it was just moments ago. And one of the things that he brought up was how, you know, Ring of Honor treated and treats New Japan. And, and Joel, I forget the, the exact quote that he used, but it was, you know, it, the comparison was, you know, Ring of Honor, uh, you know, is the drunk guy calling the girl at 2 a.m. And that's how, that's, that's how Ring of Honor treated New Japan. And it was one yeah. of the, where it was just like, yeah, you know, it's, it, 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 you know, you look at other promotions and what they're able to accomplish with the New Japan partnership. Um, and, and just to drop balls, speaking of drop balls, um, that, that you have in that relationship is just, just an interesting thing. Um, you wanted to throw something in here, Joel? Yeah, just a uh, new beginning. I really enjoyed the rematch between Rapongi 3K and Young Bucks. Um, oh, I enjoyed yeah. it more than the Wrestle Kingdom match, which I thought was great. So I just want to give some credit to Rapongi 3K for having an awesome start of the year. Two really brilliant matches that I think a lot of people have forgotten. And then yes. back on, on a rising. They, New Japan debut of Flip Gordon and, as uh, August points out, Beer City Bruiser. <laughs> Flip, Flip Gordon had, like, the worst debut in New Japan history, I think. That three-way match where he was, like, botching spots left and right. But it turned... He did better in the in the Super Junior, but, yeah, that was not the not the greatest New Japan debut for old Flip. Um the anniversary show was in March at Oda War Gymnasium. There was a there was like a brief freak out, which I should have I should have known to check the Japanese site because I, I got tricked by this and Dave Meltzer got tricked by this. When they like put up the schedule at first for like a bunch of a bunch of the dates into the spring on the English site this year, they totally forgot to put up the anniversary show, which they do this sometimes. They just like miss random shows, but now it was on the Japanese site the whole time, and now it's there on the English site too. But yeah, people thought they like forgot the anniversary show, show which did not end up being the case. Um, but yeah, this anniversary show had one of my favorite matches of the year: Naito and Taichi. I I adored this fucking match. People thought I was like trolling on Twitter when I said it was like four and a quarter, whatever I gave it. But I don't know. I watched this. I actually watched this from a hotel room in Spain. I just I don't know. I just really absolutely loved it. I'll never forget, like, Tai Chi, like, hitting him with the microphone stand, and I think, like, hitting that last drive power bomb and actually thinking, like, looking like he was going to win, but Naito did, in fact, kick out, did not get beat by Tai Chi. But I don't know, anyone else love anything from this show, even if it's not Naito, Tai Chi? Anything stick out to you, Evan? Yes. <clears throat> well, Okada vs. Osprey was great. Want more mixed weight matches. Um, and this this was technically a mixed weight match with Naito and Taichi, right? Taichi had not officially moved up to heavyweight yet, or he had just or he just did. Okay, maybe actually no. The mixed weight match was the one they had on the Taka show, and which was all the way back in January. And then like Naito basically kept goading Taichi into moving up to heavyweight, and that I think he officially did before this match. Um, Joel, you wanted to throw something in here, I think, for anniversary show, anniversary show. Yeah. I think, was this a show where we got the first of the many, many uh, triple threat junior tag team matches between yes. Desperado and Kanemaru? This is, the, this is the one where Desperado and Kanemaru win the belts and like kick off the greatest junior tag title reign 
since the very first one, believe it or not, which is like, it feels like no one even knows that that's going on. But yes, the, the greatest junior tag title reign in length since um, Otani and Takaiwa back, uh, back in 1998 kicks off on this, on this very event. And there was also, was this where we got Suzuki against Makabe in a surprisingly good match? Yep, yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, so pretty fun little show. I, I like this show a lot, actually. It was, uh, it was a fun little show. You never know what you're going to get for these anniversary shows, but this one was fun. Um, after the New Japan Cup, there's, does someone who like really loved Zack Sabre's run here want to speak up? Because I wasn't a big fan, and he, he really... He got me in the G1, but here I was not really into it. So, August, you said you liked it. What did you think of – tell us about Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah, I, I love this uh, run. It, I gave every match except the Sonata match four and a quarter, uh, and I think I gave the Sonata match like four stars. Uh, Zack just brings something different that is just really enjoyable to watch like it's fun watching people hit each other as hard as they can but it's also fun watching zach tie everybody up in knots and so i i enjoyed every match that he had in this cup it's really weird because i really like i started loving his stuff in new japan starting in the g1 but i wasn't into any of this or the sakura genesis match either but joel said he loved it too so joel go ahead what else Tell us more about the New Japan Cup. Yeah, I think I wrote like all of the Voices of Wrestling reviews for this New Japan Cup. So obviously I love Zach's run because we're a massive Zach fan. And this is when he started doing the hilarious backstage promos and referencing Stuart Lee and other British comedy and things like that. But there were also some really terrific matches outside of the Zach matches. Uh, I remember the Elgin versus Ishii match being really exciting because I think Elgin like dropped Ishii on his head and I legit thought that he was seriously hurt. Uh, there was an amazing first round match between Juice Robinson and Yujiro Takahashi, which I think a lot of people forgot. Yes, which that was like the, you know, the your best annual match. quality Yujiro match. Yeah, the best match of Yujiro's career since like that Naito match in the G1 like four years ago. Yeah, and just going across the brackets, I enjoyed Tanahashi against Taichi. I thought that was really good. Even Farley against Archer was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Um, <laughs> Sonata against, against Yoshihashi. Sonata against Chucky e. T, just for like, first of all, the absurdity of Chucky e. T headlining in the Japan uh, event. But like, I don't know. I remember liking that one too. So Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Ibushi against Yoshihashi was great. Uh, Toriyano against Sonata. It was like less than five minutes, but it was hilarious. I thought they just have really good chemistry together. Uh, Juice had a, a pretty good run as well. The match against Elgin was good. The semi-final against Tanahashi, I thought was great. I really thought Juice was going to do it there. So, I just think there's a lot of forgotten matches in this New Japan Cup tournament that are really, really good. And even though I'm, I wasn't as into the matches, I do. I mean, I have to say it was brilliant giving Zach the win here because you can see like just how over he's been with the crowds in Japan versus you know coming into this cup. I mean, it's just it's night and day to me anyway. Um, and this is also where he got Taka as a hype man, which was kind of brilliant. So. Um, Evan, any thoughts on the New Japan Cup? I was another person whose opinion of Zach increased massively in the tournament. I enjoyed all his matches and his final versus Tanahashi. I think it was, um, I'd say it was my first match that I really considered to be a match of the year. I think I was the high man on that match. No one ever, no one liked the New Japan Cup final as much as me, I think. 
Yeah, I, know, I didn't hear that much buzz about it. Um, Damon, anything about the Japan I think Cup? I was like four and three quarters on it. Oh well, there you go. But I guess, I guess you and Joel, David, count me in there too, because uh, I definitely like that. And yeah, and, and Joel rattled off a bunch of matches that it's true. It does. They they, they do fall under the radar just by the, the amount of great matches that you had this year. Which I again, I think people. As the kids like to say, they like to sleep on this year a little bit. And uh, I think the New Japan Cup is kind of speaks volumes of that. And again, just kind of going back to Zach, you know, I, I'm, I'm a massive fan. And, and I think the one thing that makes him stick out for me is, you know, it feels like pro wrestlers in, in the modern age like offense. And they like offense of moves. And, the, and it's all about them peaking uh, offensively, whereas Zach, it doesn't feel that way. It feels like he's wrestling uh, in a way that is taking advantage of other people's mistakes, right? so a little bit defensively, and I really like that. There's something original and fresh and fun and entertaining when you watch one of his matches because it's not a pro wrestler going in there and hitting his moves with a Z. It's him saying, okay, fuck face, throw something at me, and I got to counter it. Um, yeah, so Zach is definitely a one-of-a-kind type guy. So he went to the New Japan Cup, and then we moved to Strong Style Evolved. Um, I think I was the only one of us who was there, right? I don't think any, anybody else was in the building. Um, I made, I kind of impulsively made the decision to come all the way out here for that, but um, I don't regret it at all. It was a pretty fun show. Um, it, you know, just being in the building, it was a very... Um, you know, I had a very cool feel to it where you, the the crowd was not like, like I was really expecting like a Ring of Honor East Coast, like Bullet Club type crowd. And obviously the Bullet Club had a lot of fans there, but it wasn't really that like, I don't know, like shouting, um, you know, amateur comedy all night long or just like random being the elite references or whatever the fuck they do at Ring of Honor shows now. Like you get it uh, at the shows there. It was much more of like a like a hardcore new Japan fan crowd. I felt like, so, you know, the people were much more into everybody, you know, not just the bullet club people. Um, they, you know, there wasn't as much of like the comedy hour stuff. I mean, maybe I just got lucky with the section, but it was a, it was a more enjoyable crowd experience than I expected. And the venue looked cool. I mean, the pyramid, like it kind of reminded me almost like of, you know, cause I've been in that building as well, like a mini sumo hall with like the two little entrances that like kind of looked arched and then like, you know, the way the, the, the different sides like rose up or whatever, but the show itself, it was kind of eh up until the end. I mean, just a bunch of tag matches for the most part, but you know, just LIJ was very over, which is fun. Um, it would have been, you know, if Mysterio was there as original, as originally planned to face Liger, that would have been so cool to see. But unfortunately he got her in, I believe at Northeast wrestling, like two weeks before this. And then you get the double, but the double main event was actually pretty damn good. So can't really complain at all about making the trip. You know, I, I, I actually was one of the people that really liked Jay White and Hangman Page. I thought they, you know, I saw some people say they didn't like this match, but I thought they really won over the crowd by the end. And, uh, you know, they, that like in the live, in the building, like people, people were not into that match at all when it first started. Like neither guy was really over. And, you know, by the end of it, they really won them over. So I thought that was impressive. And obviously the main event was pretty, you know, it was a spectacle, you know. Um, you know, maybe they did a little too much or maybe the 
um, acting stuff was a little much. But actually, I, this is a match I liked better live than I did watching it back later because, like, when you're just watching it live, you can't like they're not zooming in on anybody, so you can't really see like all the uh, acting I would say stuff from the from the Bucks and like Kenny and all that. Whereas you know when you watch it back on tape, it kind of it kind of sticks out a little bit more. But yeah, live in the building, I thought this was really fantastic. And then watching it back on tape a little bit, I think it suffered a little bit. But um, do you have any thoughts on Strong Style Evolved, August? Uh, uh, the main takeaway from watching Strong Style Evolved for me was just how bad JR was on commentary. <laughs> I don't want people to forget that because it was a long time ago. So I'd like to take this opportunity to remind everyone that him and Barnett were terrible. And when Jay White started throwing Hangman or whoever, who who did he fight in that show? Uh, Hangman and Jay White. Yeah, when he started throwing them up against the barricade, no, 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 knocking over the announcers, that was that's San Francisco. Is that the wrong show? Yeah, that's Ju- that's Jay White and Juice Robinson. With oh, okay. Yeah. Well, JR has been so bad this year. That <laughs> I've on that. Um, Evan, you got anything to add about Strong Style Evolved? Um, as a show, it was pretty good, but I felt that I guess it kind of became a recurring pattern with uh, American shows ever since, well, for every show after uh, the two that were in 2017 was New Japan's willingness to not really give blockbuster matches on American shows, which is something that's kind of been an ongoing story. And it was a, it, it had great matches, of course, but, you know, I'm not sure. I've been questioning how much they're willing to give up matches that they would normally save just for Japan on shows in America, how much they're willing to commit that way. And it's something that I'm still kind of thinking about as we have more American shows coming up in next year. Yeah, and they're very good. The, the American shows next year are going to be very different too. But business wise, obviously, this was this was a huge success. It sold out almost immediately. So, uh, which people did question, which is it seems weird to say now, I guess. But like when they booked this building, which is you know like a I believe like what forty forty four hundred right or something like that. That's about right. Uh, yeah, when they booked this building, like people really were not sure it was going to sell out at all, and it sold out in like something like ten minutes. So that was impressive. Um, Damon, do you have any thoughts on Strong Style Evolved? Yeah, just the you know the, the crowd to me felt like, and again, I wasn't there live. Um, and and the reports that I got back from people who were there live was the crowd was really just hyped for everything. I mean, yeah. opening match, second match, third match, and they were going strong throughout. Um, it was a long night. I remember going to bed very late <laughs> that night, uh, but the crowd just seemed to have uh, plenty of energy and. and and responded well to everything and, and and not to sound gatekeepery or not to sound uh you know like uh the high and mighty but you know you worry about that sometimes you know you don't want to come across as the ugly american crowd um, yeah. but i think they were represented pretty well there but yeah i kind of i I've, I've always shared evan's view there in the sense of it it doesn't feel like new japan at least up to up to now was really willing to commit to um, that big time New Japan main event, um, and again, Bucks uh, and 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 Kenny and Coda felt like it was geared toward an American audience, right? But it just just doesn't feel like you're getting that. It doesn't feel like you're getting 
and 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 this may sound shitty, but it doesn't feel like you're getting an authentic New Japan pro wrestling event. You're getting, I don't want to say watered down, but a watered down event. Yeah, the elite presents New Japan pro wrestling almost. Um, but I wanted to add. So what 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 you said about the crowd? I just maybe remember this. If no one, if people haven't seen this yet, there's a great clip on YouTube. If you just search for like Minoru Suzuki strong style evolved interest of like the the Japanese announcers just being like blown away by the American crowd chanting with the with Kaze Ninare. So definitely check that out if you haven't seen it. It's one of it's a really funny clip. Just the announcers are not at all prepared for us to sing that part. So um Joel, do you have any thoughts about strong style evolved? Yeah, a couple of quick ones. One, someone mentioned it in the chat about how uh, it, was, it was Damon mentioned how over Yano was with the crowd. Uh, second thing, here's where I started to turn the corner on Jay White because this was his first title defense, I think, and I was just starting to get the Switchblade character, which I think he was growing into. And third, I think we're bearing the lead here. Uh, this show is what precipitated the death of the New Japan Purocast. David, yeah. I don't know if you want to go into that a bit further, but uh, a, a huge moment for me personally. Yes, this is correct. Uh, right, this this was the the birth of the JK. So, uh, very good point. That is uh, well done by Joel, who who of course will remember that day for the rest of his life. <laughs> um, all right, so that will take us into Sakura Genesis, which was um, I one of my least favorite big shows of the year. I think just because I I really did not care for the main event, which a lot of people liked a lot more than I did, but I just I don't know. I never really thought Okada was going to lose here, and it just never, like the drama of the match never hit me. I really did not like the semi-main either uh, with Cody and Paige against the Golden Lovers. But, you know, the one thing that I guess kind of saves it for me is Osprey and Marty Scroll did go out there and have a really awesome junior title match. You know, almost, Will Osprey almost died having that junior title match, honestly. Um, but yeah, just, and then there's really nothing below that either. But, I mean, one of the interesting things about the as New Japan has split up these shows more and more is like the sumo hall shows that used to have like they used to be stacked like a Dominion or a Wrestle Kingdom. Now, you know, just they have a few big matches, but you know, the undercard is pretty much just a bunch of tags and stuff. Uh, which can kind of feel like, you know, it kind of makes I don't you kind of feel like you want more, I guess, than two real like super cards, but the way New Japan runs shows now is just not gonna get anything like that, unfortunately. Um August, what do you think about what do you think of Sakura Genesis? I liked it. It was fine. I liked the main event uh, for the most part. You're right that there was no way Okada was losing, but I think they built up to the match really well. Uh, having Taka with Zach it was a stroke of genius. I don't know whose idea that was, but it was. It's been great. Uh, I was was more disappointed that we didn't get a. Uh, Zack and Taka versus Gato and Okada tag match. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Like, how how do you miss that? I don't know. Yeah, but uh, my my main complaint was like there was no way Okada was losing here. Um, so you know, it, it was kind of like when he fight defends against Evil or Sonata. They're they're good matches, but there's no real drama to it. So. Uh, Evan, do you have anything to add about Sakura Genesis? Well, I guess that I liked the main event a lot more than you guys. I was really not rooting for Zach to win, although maybe I was, but I was rooting for Zach to get over because 
every challenger for Okada after he defeated Naito was fighting an uphill battle of like, well, Okada's probably the reason why he retained the title is so that he's going to get the defense record, which immediately makes every every defense of his having less likelihood of ending in his loss. So every challenger is now fighting an uphill battle to get their stuff over and to get the crowds ch- uh, rooting for them during the match. And I think that Zach really pulled out a great performance despite what was working against him. Also, one more thing. People, I saw people talking about how Zach, after getting all that push in the New Japan Cup, just lose to Okada. He's no better off for it, and I can't disagree more. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> He's been super over ever since then. Like, really, I, I, I know exactly the tweet you're talking about, and that I, at the time I thought that take was crazy, and that take was honestly looks even even crazier in hindsight now. So, yeah, I can't agree with you more there. Um, Joel, do you have any more thoughts on Sakura Genesis? Yeah, just the Osprey against Marty Skull match was absolutely terrifying. Uh, of course, that big apron bump spot that everyone remembers where I thought Osprey had legitimately broken his neck. And also, it was our second of the super rare junior tag title three-way matches with Suzuki-Gun, uh, LIJ, and Rapongi 3K. <laughs> I like how you keep throwing that in there. It's like, a, like, an, audio, like an audio subtweet. <laughs> These things never happen, really, guys. They're 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 very rare. They yeah. Um, what you what do you think of Sakura Genesis, Damon? Um, you know, I, I look. I can't sit here and say that I was shocked that Zach did not win. But going into it, I mean, you know, he's he's beaten big names. You know, he's to get to that final, he's got to beat Tanahashi. He's got to beat Naito. He's got to beat Sonata, uh, Ibushi. You know, so while you know the the logic in you know, on the side of your head is saying there's no way this this is going to be a title change. You know, you look at the names that he mowed through to get where he was. The, the again, the one thing that that I you take away from is it's it's it's. New Japan, once again, doing a, a, a fantastic... When they want to make a star, they make a star, right? When they want to get somebody over, they'll get somebody over. And you're going to beat some top guys on the way to do that. So that I think the, the, the lead-up to the match was probably better than the, the end result. And yeah, obviously, Zach has is, is, you know, turned out pretty well, let's put it that way, since that time. So... Uh, yeah, those people can get up the street. <laughs> I mean, they, they, it's, it's just, it's funny to me whenever, like, you know, I think we all know the, the thing that we're probably referring to, which is, you know, a, a WWE fan, let's just say, said the thing was pointless. And so, because that would be pointless in, in other companies. But the big part of it is that you just don't have, like, the fan base in Japan is just not fighting the company on everything they do the way the WWE main roster fan base is fighting the company on everything they do. So it's much easier to push somebody and have them, you know, get over and like stay over than it is in other companies, I think. Which I think is the, not- yeah. And the one thing that I always like, just looking back at that lineup of, of again, the people that Zach had to go through in that tournament, you know, you have to have a locker room that, Again, I'm I'm not saying that there wasn't you know some what I got to do what I got to what I'm losing what I'm gonna be surprised if there's some of that, but you got to have a locker room that at least is 
you know, okay with the overall game plan. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, that's that's. I, th- I think that gets a little bit underrated in the fact that, um, again, I'm not saying that there wasn't an argument. I'm not saying that there wasn't a hey, let me talk you out of this decision. But <laughs> um, you know, it's pretty nice to see, you know, big stars lying down to help people get over. Um, so let's fast forward here through. All right, Hino Kuni. I don't. I don't really think there's anything to mention this. Yes, Naitone Suzuki sucked. Everybody. No, I know everybody loved to. To point that out forever, but yes, that match was not very good. Although I went, I gave it three and a half stars, which is might be insane, but that's how much I liked it. So, um, wrestling don't talk you. This is the big, I guess the big, the big deal here. Night one, really. Uh, does anybody really feel strongly about those two, Cody Ibushi and Omega Page matches? Because I, I just they weren't very good, and I don't really see anything interesting there to talk about. I think the big story is clearly night two with Okada Tanahashi. Um, Evan, you're like, you're like the big, I think maybe the biggest Okada fanboy on here. Um, what did it mean to you to see Okada get get the record, beat Tanahashi one more time? What was that like? Well, I don't know. I thought it was a great match. I thought you know, I could kind of see it coming, but I thought that. You know, actually, funny thing that you say that, I like Tanahashi more than Okada. Mm. So, <laughs> it's funny you should ask me about this match through that framework. I was reading, I was actually at some points rooting for Tanahashi to win. So he'd be like, nope, my record's staying with me. But that's not how it happened. Great match anyway, though. Um, I really like the ending of this match because, you know, the, the previous Okada-Tanahashi match, they had made such a big deal about, you know, what, Tanahashi not being able to break break that wrist control. And here Tanahashi breaks the wrist control and he has that like brief moment where it looks like he might actually do it. And Okada just grabs him by the waistband and pulls him back and hits the Rainmaker and wins, which I thought was such a great moment. Um August wants to jump in here. So go ahead, August. Well, just a cheap plug real quick. Uh, actually I wrote a column uh about that. Like if Tanahashi was gonna win, he's gonna have to to break the wrist control and that's what like their whole match was going to be about and then yeah he breaks it and i'm like oh crap he did it and it just gets rainmakered out of his boots (laughs) um any damon why don't you jump in here anything about any of what we just what i just sped over but yeah the you know the night two i think everybody was you know it up for i think night one i don't want to say it was a hand wave but uh you know well the live the, the live attendance sure said it was a hand wave right uh i mean you, you look back in that night one and you got cody against Kota Ibushi, and that match actually was the longest match on the show um night two it seemed like everything everything was gearing toward those last two matches you know osprey against kushida and okada and tanahashi which went over 30 minutes so, uh, you know, you you wanted you wanted both sides. You know, there were the, the part of me was, yeah, wouldn't it be awesome if Tanahashi was able to just give a big fuck you and 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 no, you're not beating my record. But then again, you know, how great is it to to bear witness to history and and to watch those two perform again? Look, you're not going to get a bad match with those two. It's it's impossible. So to add the extra element of, okay, he's going for a record. Uh, it wasn't in my top 10 matches of the year, surprisingly. 
but uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, it was up there with one of my favorite Okada and Tanahashi matches. I, I think it's fair to say. Now, I have seen some criticism in the in the vein of like, if you're going to end this, like if this is the, where the story was going, it, it sort of almost makes no sense that Tanahashi lost um, so decisively here with where it was going later in the year. Um, I guess Joel would be a good person to ask. Do you buy into any of that? Yeah, I also wrote a column on this. I'd love the finish like the rest of you where uh, Tanahashi breaks the wrist control and you can see it on his face. He just gets that one moment of hubris where he thinks, yes, I've done it. I've finally beaten this guy, but it's too late. Just in that moment of ego, he's he's lost the match. And I remember after the match, the post-match uh, interview with Tanahashi and he was on the floor. He was almost in tears um, saying that, oh, I'm going to come back. I'll be better than ever. And it was quite tragic it was pathetic almost and i wrote this whole column about the the deluded ace and i thought genuinely that was it for him as a main mm-hmm. eventer i thought he was just going to slide down into the the next rung below and i totally wasn't expecting him to have this huge resurgence so um yeah i do want to say the 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 japanese fans clearly took to this whole story because during this like during the build to this um, is when the one of the big like Japan Japanese smart like internet fan polls was going on, and like Tanahashi ended up winning it. So, which he I don't think he had done in quite a while. Like I think Naito had won the previous year. Um, I have to go back further, but yeah, it definitely had been more than you know a couple of years. So that was um you know that was kind of surprising to me when I was like oh well there's something this Tanahashi thing, and then they just kind of end up running with it later in the year anyway. Done. Um, in mind that you know it's it's one of those things where once again it's we're going to bring you down to the bottom right because because uh, i don't think anybody on this panel really thought that tanahashi would be where he is right now um so again it's 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 we're going to lose in the most heartbreaking of ways i lo- i've lost not only do i not you know have a title i i i have lost my record and now redemption so it kind of speaks to that what we talked about earlier. That's true. Um, I just maybe I feel like the redemption thing with Tanahashi almost came a little too fast. It was my only critique, but you know, I guess it, it, it you know he's up there in age. You can't really <laughs> wait that long. Um, but anyway, let's transition into the best of Super Junior. This was one of my highlights of the year. I thought this was um, one of. The one of the best, I mean, all, the best Super Junior is pretty much always great, but the B block here was just like outstanding. When you look at all this talent in the B block with Dragon Lee and Sho and Desperado, Taguchi, Kushida, Hiromu, I mean, even Chris Saban was pretty decent. Marty was like the only like dud of the block, I thought, but that, that block just killed it every single show. Um, some of my favorite matches of the year, like Desperado and Hiromu, just had a crazy brawl at Cork and Hall. Um, you know, the Hiromu against Dragon Lee match in Osaka was awesome. Uh, that match Kushida and Sho had where they just like decided to go out there and mat wrestle for 20 minutes. That was awesome. But just a, you know, an, an incredible BS, best of Super Junior that ends with um, one of my, you know, my favorite match of the entire year in any company, the Hiromu and Taiji Shimori final. So, Evan, you're the mi- militant uh, junior advocate here. So we'll start with you. What did you think of the best of the Super Junior 2018? It gave me a lot of hope, actually. 
Um, I'm glad you read my uh, my Twitter bio. That's what it says. <laughs> so um, I really feel like that maybe the stacking of the B block was intentional. In fact, sometimes I think that now because with these tournaments, what are the odds that somebody's going to watch everything? Yeah. So just us crazy people. <laughs> so maybe better off that you have one block that's substantially better than the other. And I didn't watch everything. Oh. Shame on me. But I watched a lot of it, and I enjoyed a lot of it. I really enjoyed how, in terms of like a meta thing, how the matches on the house shows with the, in the uh, tournament were actually headlining, whereas opposed yeah. to like last year, you had like, um, what was it, Team Kojima versus Lij yeah. the tournament matches, which was <laughs> terrible. So it was a great tournament, um, great final match. Um, it was kind of sad for me that uh, it was uh, the finals back in Kirk and Hall for logistical reasons, but the crowd was molten for it, so can't complain too much. Yeah, it was uh, the normal venue they used. It was your Yogi, which I believe was having some kind of construction, or I don't know if it was related to the Olympics, like Sumo Halls. Like it was, version. it okay. was earthquake proofing. Yeah, so. Next year, I assume we'll be back in your Yogi, but there hasn't been an announcement yet. I'm hoping to catch the final next year. That's what I'm. I'm hoping I can go if it's scheduled right to go during that week where you can go to your Yogi for that, and then go to Dominion. But um, all right, so August, do you have anything to add about the best of the Super Junior? Um, it was really good. Uh, quick shout out to El Desperado for. Yeah, he was me away. Oh, he was awesome. And it, it, do you, I don't know how many of you guys watched the promos, but his promos were amazing too. He, you mentioned the match with Hiromu, and I liked his match with uh, Dragon Lee even more. Mm. Uh, it, I was just, I was stunned. I'd never seen Desperado have those matches like that before. And whenever they want to get behind him as a singles guy, I am all for it. Yeah, I mean, if he loses the belts at the Dome and then turns around and has a junior singles run, I would be definitely down with that because he, he was amazing here. Um, he could be like the the junior guy for Suzuki Gun. They don't really have yeah. a, a top junior anymore, and he could. there's no reason he can't be that in that role. Yeah. Damon, do you have any thoughts on the best of the Super Junior? One of the best ones, right? Um, I mean, I think... you. We, easily put that in a top five i mean you have to go and really dig back and find one that was better maybe in you know 90s right um every match it, it, you know every every main event match anyway felt like it delivered at least on a very good level um i'm really trying to think of of, of stinkers and i think of any that were really just like oh, you know you want to hit the fast forward button yeah, but maybe like Yo and Kanemaru or something. There's a couple that like Kanemaru had a couple main events in a row. It was like eh, like Yo and Kanemaru and like Osprey and Kanemaru. But other than that, that was about it. Yeah, it was good. I mean, you, you can't go wrong with a final. You know that 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 are talking about when it comes to matches, right? Yeah. You know, and 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 even if truth be told, even if the rest of the tournament was like, oh, all right. That final match delivered in, in a big way. So, you know. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, <laughs> when Hiromu was actually like crazy enough to take that Rana down the steps, I mean, you know, obviously what happened to him, uh, you know, a month and a half later is awful. 
but he just he always just put himself out there you know he just he was never was completely fearless and i'm sure we're all hoping for a quick recovery because we want to you know maybe not see him do anything like that again but see him that was his appeal you know it was that you know somebody had mentioned you know it, it, it had just this dangerous element right that made it so interesting and so fun and so uh, you know, on the edge of your seat. So, and, and it's really, you know, kind of, I say this a little bit tongue in cheek in the sense that, you know, the move that, that, that cost him, hopefully not his career, but, you know, at least months of it, you know, somewhat relatively something that they've done before. You know, yeah. it, it wasn't a crazy flippy shit out on the floor. It was, you know, something that, you know, Okay, they've they've done this before, right? Yeah, you know, just one of those freaky pro wrestling things that you know people get hurt on this on this on the you know just that that raises the moves and people get hurt on the simplest of moves somewhere in the middle there. Yeah, Joe, any thoughts on the best of Super Junior? Joe, oh, maybe we lost Joel. Okay, so. I guess moving on then to the Dominion show. I mean, this is a show that a lot of people actually put above Wrestle Kingdom um, this year, which was a little, you know, not not necessarily the case every year. I I did like this better than Wrestle Kingdom overall. I would pretty much agree with that consensus. Um, you know, I just like the, I thought the last three matches, especially just, it had that feel of Wrestle Kingdom last three matches where, you know, Hiromu Osprey, was just my favorite of the three, honestly. That was just fucking fantastic. And Hiromu finally gets his big junior title win, you know, or second one, but his first one in quite a while. Jericho Naito, even though, you know, the result was stunning, um, Jericho Naito was just a... I, I thought that match was awesome. I mean, I liked it a lot better than Jericho Omega, where, like, where Jericho Omega felt like a very WWE-style match, this felt more like just this crazy, like, almost like a lucha brawl and just completely different type of match. And I really, really liked it. And, you know, the main event, um, I'm sure other people liked it more than I did, but I still liked it quite a lot. So, um, you know, I'm not going to sit on here and rain on anybody's parade with that because I'm sure most people listening to this have that as their match of the year. And I don't I don't have it f- far off. I had it as a, you know, I don't, I don't think Keddy got, like, silly here in in ways that he did in some of his other matches so i i did enjoy it quite a bit um i guess let's start with you this time damon what do you think of dominion it was my show of the year um given our fan poll traditionally wrestle kingdom usually walks away the winner of, of event of the year and this year was dominion um i i thought you know takahashi and, and will was incredible 20 minutes uh i thought jericho and naito was uh, like you said, it, it definitely had a different feel. It could have be- very easily been a WWE plotting brawl type match, and it wasn't. Uh, and then you got Omega and Okada, who to me put on one of the, the best matches I've I've seen. Um, and it, and it really was about the pace of it. You know, when someone if you if you're telling me, if you're telling Damon of five ten years ago. Uh, you know, you're going to watch a pro wrestling match for an hour and 10 minutes and you're going to, uh, it's a two out of three fall match. Trust me. I'm, I'm checking my phone. I'm doing everything until that third fall. And that was not the case here. So, 
the pace of it, the the execution of it. It's one of my favorite matches of all time. So uh, I won't I won't spill the beans. I won't won't show you my cards yet. But uh, I think it's a safe bet when we talk about match of the year. It's it's going to be high up on my list. August, what do you think of Dominion? Oh, I will spoil my card right now. This is my match of the year. It's it might be my favorite match of all time, frankly. Uh, I rewatched it today just because I had not rewatched it since it first aired, and it, I, I, it just it's pretty much a, a perfect match as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I love that it used the two out of three falls stipulation better than any other two out of three falls match that I've seen. Like it had three separate matches. And each of the three separate matches were great. And then you combine them into this overarching match. And it's just... I I was stunned after watching it the first time. I had to, like, take a break, take a day to kind of collect my thoughts to see, like, just what I was thinking of this match. Because it just blew me away. Um, Evan, do you have anything to add about... Dominion slash the main event, I guess. It was a spectacle to be sure. I, I, it's funny with me with that match. I enjoy myself a lot watching it, and I definitely recall that much. But I remember very little from the actual match in terms of like describing things that happened. And yet, I, I, I wouldn't consider it a main uh, a match of the year contender for me. But I enjoyed it a lot, and so did a lot of other people. Clearly. It's... Jericho versus Naito was pretty cool and different. Takahashi versus Osprey was as wild as one would expect. Great show overall. It's a it's a weird one for me because I actually it's a, usually it matches like either get better on rewatch or really hold up for me. I don't know if it's because of the length, but I liked it a lot better live than I did um, watching it on like when I watched it back later. So I, not I didn't, actually don't think I watched the show live. The first time I saw it unspoiled, I liked it better than watching it back later. So like watching it back later knocked it down a little bit for me, but uh, yeah. Joel, Joel, you were in the building, so if you're back now, why don't you add some? What I know you have a lot of thoughts about Kenny winning here and then how the rain went later. Yeah, at the time, this was like one of the greatest days of my life. It was an incredible show. The atmosphere inside of Sakajo Hall is amazing, and I was sat with all the other foreign fans because I guess we'd all got our tickets from the same places so uh, a lot of westerners a lot of Chinese people there and it was difficult for me to tell if it was just our little pocket that was really pro Kenny or the whole arena was it kind of felt like a a sizable majority of people in there were chanting for Kenny so at the end of it it was just this great feel-good moment and the match itself I thought was really cleverly laid out the way that the first pinfall was like a kind of flash pin from Okada. And then we got the one wing danger in the second fall. So that made everyone think, oh, well, we've used the one wing danger now. So maybe Kenny's not going to win. That's surely not going to have him using the one wing danger twice. And it was a, a nice little sort of bait and switch there because um, a bit of misdirection. But yeah. So uh, it was just a, a terrific match. Again, I wasn't bored at all. I was with it the whole way. And the memory of it has been you know, somewhat tainted in retrospect given all the shit that's happened in the rest of the year but at the time it was fantastic i just an unbelievably good time there and it's probably going to live in memory i I mean i'll say later whether it was in my top five matches but uh i just 
I don't think I'm ever going to forget that day. August, you wanted to jump in here. Go ahead. Yeah, just uh, if you haven't watched it with English commentary on New Japan World, I highly recommend it. Uh, Don Callis is in the sort of Kenny cheerleader role, and <laughs> normally that's really annoying. But in this match, he is he does such a great job that I I really think it uh, it enhances the match quite a bit. Uh, there's a there's a moment at the end where Kenny goes for a V trigger and Okada interrupts him with a drop kick and he just growls, "God damn it!" Yeah, and, he, that was like a playoff of the previous year too because he had yelled when Kenny had, when Okada hit him with the drop kick, he just screamed that goddamn drop kick. Yeah, like exactly. Top lungs, which is great. And he's but, he's so good in in this match. Like it's like everyone talks about you know. Bobby Heen in a 92 rumble rooting for flair. And I feel like this is close to that. Like he's, he's just really good there. So if you haven't listened to it, uh, I, I really recommend doing so. Didn't he like turn on him at a California Canadian indie? That ha- I, did I dream there or did that happen? Yeah, I couldn't that yeah, that, that actually happened. And yeah. while there was a tour going on in Japan, he's now celebrating his birthday. And, uh, yeah, Don, uh, apparently turned on there's, there's, uh, you know, cell phone footage online where you could find was it. Was that recently? Yeah, it was well, a couple months ago, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Well, and then uh, one last thing about Dominion is how great is New Japan Chris Jericho? Like, he is one of my favorite guys in there. He only shows up two or three times a year at the moment, but he's just this wild brawler. He has reinvented himself again. Uh, Jericho's one of my all-time favorites and to see him have these crazy brawls with you know Naito and Omega it's just it's so much fun to watch yeah I mean it's a whole lot better when he was doing in the fed at the end uh, Damon you want to jump in here go ahead one point, and again we talked about it I mean, it's, it's funny that we're talking about New Japan today here and again having the conversation that we had with Kevin Kelly you know I had brought up to him that Jericho feels to me like like a Terry Funk, right? And he has that kind of middle-aged and crazy thing going on, like a, like a Terry Funk, say, in 1989 or 1990, right? Um, and that's, that's what I feel from, from Jericho. Um, again, I'm, I'm not the biggest Jericho guy in the world, but uh, I, you absolutely can't deny the fact that when, you know, when he does show up, uh, it's, it's, you know, he gives 112%. You can't, 110 percent 112 percent um and again it, it just feels like he's just this unhidden character and it just reminds me so much of terry funk yeah it feels like you'd never know what the fuck he's gonna do which is good i mean you want i think you really want a presence like that on your wrestling promotion honestly um, happens, john when, when when you give somebody creative freedom isn't it <laughs> it's pretty funny yeah, i know um skipping past i'm skipping right fucking past this when worlds collide thing because the thing was a disaster, and Kenny should hire some cameramen next time. Um, G1 special in San Francisco. I I really hated that show outside of one match. Um, you know, Juice and Jay White I thought was really awesome, actually. Like, one of a really underrated match of the year. If, if people skip this show, definitely go back and watch that U.S. title match. It was, you know, really good. Like, that to me was, like, Juice's coming out party, kind of, and Jay White, like, kind of solidifying that he could have these really cool little matches. Um, and Hiromu and Dragon Lee was good, but then Hiromu was like, you know, gets this terrible injury, so I can't even really 
like who wants to go back and watch that now you know um the main event i absolutely hated but i've i've ranted and raved about that match so many times by now already that it's not even worth getting into but i don't know does anyone feel strongly about the g1 special or can we move to um the actual g1 no nobody want to jump in for san francisco like i said earlier i'm just glad that uh jr and barnett got beat up a little bit (laughs) so the g1 itself um it was the opening show was weird in that you know you're you're so used to the blow away show but because the b block you know we just talked about the b with the best super junior again they stacked the b block so much heavily over the a block like the real like traditional opening night of the blow away g1 was actually night two where that that show was awesome i mean you know ishi and yano had a fun little match you know, Tama and Juice did suck. But that was the only one. And Goto and Sonata was great. Ibushi and Zack is like one of my most underrated matches of the year, I think. Just a fucking fantastic match. And then Omega and Naito, you know, went out there for the third straight year in the G1 and just completely killed it. I mean, I, I honestly and truly, like, believe Omega's best opponent is Naito and not Okada. I mean, I will go to my grave thinking that, even if I'm alone on that. But I, I love these G1 matches they have every year. Um, you know, just... The, the chemistry they have together to me is incredible. But the actual opening night, the, you know, it just kind of had a the Jay White Okada match people were not really that into. And then, like, you know, just really wasn't a lot else on the show. Um, but overall, I mean, again, a very, a very good G1. I, I would still, I would, me personally, I would put it as one of the lower rated G1s in the, I guess Okada era. I, I was trying to think back and think if there's any one they liked less, just because the B block was outstanding, but the A block was just not go- very good at all. So, I mean, there was a couple. There were a couple matches that ended up being pretty decent, but like a lot of those A block shows ended up being slogs. And you know, the one or two times the B block shows didn't blow you away, it just really felt like, well, you know, like towards the end it got like kind of. Um, kind of a slog to get through but you know it's still just the g1 had such a high level that like with you know the the the, the level has built, been built up over the years saying this is the worst one in a while doesn't mean it was bad it was still you know the b block was still awesome and still had two five-star matches i think on the on the same show as we'll get into later in the match of the year picks but yeah very general overview of the g1 evan i guess you can start on this what do you think of the g1 some would call the 28th running of the G1 Climax the shortest of giants. In that, <laughs> you know, saying that it was weaker than the ones past it, you know, how much does that really mean? I mean, I guess you could say, like, actually, this G1 kind of broke my streak. Various life things got in the way, and I wasn't able to watch every single show live like I did for the two years prior. But there was a lot to enjoy. The A block was kind of marred by interference from the Bullet Club angle, which was, you know, pretty prominent at the point, which was unfortunate. But even then, there were matches to be enjoyed in the A block, just not as many. And, you know, it was a good time. I think people were kind of upset when the lineup came out because only two new guys coming in. People come to expect more from that at this point. So, yeah. Um, I mean, the, the thing I, that stands out to me the most about the B block is just, I you know, after the Tetsuya Naito going into this had just a very down year at this point. He just really hadn't had that many opportunities. And this, I thought he totally killed it in the G1 and had maybe his best, 
personal G one. I had to go back and really think about it, but definitely up there. And, you know, I thought he really killed it the entire time. Uh, August, you want to jump in with some general G one thoughts? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I had 19 matches that I rated four and a quarter or better. Um, I'm not sure how that compares to previous years, but that's a lot of great wrestling, no matter what. Um, the B block, we're, we're, the B block shows were not just more enjoyable because the the block matches were better, but you had Jay White on the undercard. If you weren't watching any of these undercards, Jay White and this and his uh, tag with Yo were were just hilarious. Where he's just abusing Yo so much, uh, trying to get him to do things the switchblade way or whatever, and you know, it, and Yo would get the shit kicked out of him every time, and uh, it was just, it was really uh, fun to watch that. And most of these undercards, you know, there's no reason to watch any of them, but uh, the Jay White Yo tag team was uh, really fun to watch. I thought, and sort of a last general point uh give a, a shout out to Toru Yano who opened the tournament <laughs> with like three straight four-star matches yeah Toriano was awesome in this tournament I want to throw that I do want to point that out he was great I don't know I mean, he, he like hit this whole gimmick where he was doing like serious Yano where like he wasn't gonna cheat which did not last long but <laughs> was it was hilarious. awesome he kept like being really conflicted about cheating and he had that uh that rebound belly to belly suplex, which was just really cool. Like, where the hell did that come from? Yeah, he was great. Uh, it was, it was great. I, I loved him, and and then he, uh, you know, went full Yano the rest of the <laughs> tournament. But he still had really good matches with uh with Omega and uh, Sonata, if you like that kind of thing. And yeah, I like the the Nitro one too. I liked a lot. Uh, Damon, what do you think about the G one? I loved, I loved it. Um, the challenge is, and, and, and again, maybe hindsight is twenty twenty, but it felt, you know, kind of just in the review, there really wasn't anything that I felt was in the middle, right? You either had great, or you just had stuff that you're just like, oh Jesus Christ, they're doing this again. <laughs> yeah, and, and and I think that's what pulled people somewhat out of it, you know, and because it was so polar opposite, and it just everything either hit you in the face or it hit you in the balls, right? Um, it, it's, it, and, 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 you know, when you, when that, when that happens, uh, yet you, people tend to kind of gravitate and, and remember maybe some of the stuff that was a little bit more negative, but some positives, right? For me anyway, Koto Bushi's G1 was, was off the charts, right? It matches Sonata, Ishii, Naito, uh, the finals with Tana, Zach, so many great matches, right? Um, I noticed you didn't mention one there, which uh, good. I'm glad you didn't because I want to bring that up in a second. But keep going. Yeah, I mean, just for me, <laughs> his his performance was unbelievable. You know, maybe one of the best G1 performances of anyone any at, at any time. <clears throat> uh, and then you had your usual suspects all performing at a high level: Tana, uh, Omega, uh, even a Goto throwing a, a, a couple bangers you know, in, in a tournament. But then again, you know, you look at the other side of it, and it was extreme the other way with the Bullet Club nonsense, right? And, and everybody hoping that Tamatanga would take in the next step and, and, and make a leap and 
and hopefully we would get you know for years people were just put Tomatonga in the G1. He deserves him. Okay, he's he's had plenty of opportunities and and this time it just was like oof and Bale. You know, it's a major question existing. <laughs> it's that certain. Yeah. <laughs> the, the folly fucking match for awful. It's I mean, and again, not not they weren't like eh, you, they were fucking awful. Yeah. Uh, and and you do unfortunately have this preset level that you know even for a folly match you're kind of like okay you, this is G one you got to put on the your working shoes and you know one time a year step up you get the tap on the shoulder it just wasn't fucking happening and again it was the, you know the way they were booked mind you. But it was infuriating at points. But again, the positives were you had some outstanding matches that just about made everyone's matches of the year, uh, you know, top three, top five at least. Now, I want to say too with Fale, I don't even think it's just the way he's booked. I think he's been a fucking load all year. But like, I don't know if it's just getting older and slower, but it's just, I think he's been pretty terrible. Been um, Evan, you wanted to jump in here. So go ahead. You know, I was actually kind of surprised by Fale's poor performance. After um, seeing like pictures of him saying that he's lost like 50 pounds, I expected a more energetic follow but apparently not. Yeah. Well, let me tell you something, Evan. I lost 40 pounds, and I'm going to bed right after this. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Joe, we haven't really gotten a chance to talk, so why don't you jump in here with the G1? What do you think of it? Yeah, it was excellent, and certain matches are going to stick in my mind. One being the Ibushi against Ishii match, which was just pure violence. I love that one. And also, let's talk about night 14, where we opened up with uh, Tamatonga against Goto, which was a bit shit. Then we had a really good comedy match between Sonata and Yano, who I've said before, they got really good comic chemistry together. That's where we had uh, Sonata putting uh, Rocky Romero in the Paradise Lock and then putting his headset back on him. Then we had Zack Sabre Jr. and Juice Robinson having a, a brilliant match and Zack Sabre Jr. doing the cremation lily finisher, which we'd never seen before. Then uh, semi-main was uh, Kenny Omega and Ishii having a five-star classic. And then the main event, uh, Tetsuya Naito and Kota Ibushi just destroying each other. So that is a real uh, show of the year contender right there. That was the one I was talking about that had two five-star matches for me because I, you know, I, obviously I did not enjoy Kenny's uh, G1 as much as a lot of people where... You know, I thought some of the matches people praised earlier, like the the Saber match and the Juice match, especially like, and the Sonata match too, where he was like throwing those knees over and over again. Sonata was signing them like he was taking knife edge chops. But here, like everything clicked, and they, you know, Ishii is you know usually his perfect opponent, and they really just like put on, I think, the very best of their entire series here, and just an amazing match. And Osaka was going nuts, um, totally fantastic five star match. And then I thought Ibushi and Naito actually went out there and topped it, which um, I know is a minority opinion, but I really, really loved that match too. And I thought they had to they had to go out there and have a completely different type of match because the crowd, you know, was already on such an emotional they had gone through such a roller coaster with Ishii and Omega that like if Naito and Ibushi just come out there and started doing spots immediately, I think it wouldn't have really worked. But I thought they still the way they built the crowd back up and then managed to get them into it on the same level again was just really impressive. But yeah, I mean, like two back-to-back amazing outstanding matches. Um, So the big thing, I think the elephant in the room none of us have talked about yet is the Omega Ibushi match um, on the semifinal night at Budokan, which did amazing business. You know, it is worth noting that that's, you know, sold out the Budokan. Um, I think most, most people would probably classify that as a, as a disappointment, I don't know if anyone would disagree with that opinion, but I feel like 
even people who are much higher on Omega than than I am this year seem like it wasn't really like the five-star match of the year type match they were expecting. It just felt like they were holding a lot back. Um, I don't know. August, do you disagree with that at all? No, I was disappointed in it. Um, quick thing, real quick, before we uh, go into the specific match. Uh, the A block, we're all blaming Bullet Club for shenanigans, but don't forget, like, Okada kind of sucked, too. Yeah. Like, he's he's got a remix theme song. He's unleashing balloons and goofing around. And, did, like, when you had Okada with kind of sucking, like, intentionally, but doing yeah. so. And then Jay White matches where he's full of interference or shenanigans. Yeah. And then interference in the bullet club match like that's three out of five matches maybe where they're just you can write them off immediately um but no the the omega abushi match was just i don't know i it didn't do much for me frankly i was disappointed yeah what do you think evan do you have a different opinion on that i think if any other two other if any other two wrestlers had that match people wouldn't be saying that it was a disappointment I think it was because of them and because they hadn't wrestled in so long that, you know, I actually thought it was a pretty great match. But, you know, people expect, you know, some otherworldly thing because it's the two of them and they didn't get that. And that's, I guess, unfortunate. What do you think, Joel? We lost Joel again. Okay. Damon, what do you think? I'll I'll take over for Joel. Uh, (laughs) um, You know, I'm kind of split. You know, I I feel the same way as Evan in the sense that if it were any other two people in that ring, I I think it would be praised more. I think, uh, on the other hand, the expectations going in were so high. And maybe unfairly high, to be truthful. um, That uh, I don't know if, if they could possibly deliver. Um, just off, off of the expectations that that people had going in, so I kind of sit somewhere in the middle on that. And 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 um, it's not a match that uh, you know stuck with me. It's not in my top three. It's not in my top five. Um, and truth be told, it what really wasn't a match that was discussed a lot when it came to match of the year, uh, at least in Super Jcast polls. Um, with that being said, I still think it was a really great match. Uh, but but yeah, I, I just think that for for if, again maybe it's because you know we were waiting so long for it and we were hoping it was going to be this climactic thing and 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 would lead to something else. I think is really one of the more important things. It was you know the ending was a hug and an embrace and a good job and that was that. But uh, and again, New Japan does a good job of 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 laying breadcrumbs. But as of right now, you just don't see that payoff as of yet. And maybe we will in the next couple of weeks, maybe a couple of days, maybe a couple of months. But uh, it just felt like mm, okay, that was a match. It was good, and now we wake up tomorrow and see more. All right, Joel, what do you think about the Omega Ibushi? I think they were dragged into having this match, kicking and screaming. I think they really didn't want to do it. And I don't think you could necessarily tell by watching the match, but I agree with everyone else who said that they were holding back. They clearly uh, envisaged having this match on a bigger stage, and I think they still will. I think there's a fairly good chance that this is our main event at the MSG show. So, um, 
yeah, I just think they were saving stuff for later. Um, amazingly, that that was like there was a lot of rumors flying around that was going to be the main event of Strong Style Evolved, which sounds crazy now that they were going to do a five thousand seat building with Omega Ibushi. But I mean, I definitely heard that rumor for a while. Um, but yeah, so that's the G one. I guess we can quickly say the final everybody loved, and I I, I really can't disagree honestly Tanahashi Ibushi I don't know anyone here not love Tanahashi Ibushi is that I think that's pretty universal right no one's raising their hand yeah so no one's raising their hand on that I think everybody kind of knows that that match was outstanding um but yeah that was the G1 a good G1 not the best G1 I think it's pretty much the consensus but you know it's a high standard um so for the rest of the year, especially since it's more recent, we can be a little more, um, give a general overview, I think, than go show by show. So we're getting a little long on time here. Um, the Destruction Tour, not not nearly as bad as last year's Destruction Tour is the main, my main takeaway from it, um, especially since it had a really awesome match at the end with uh, Tanahashi and Okada and the number one contendership. This is actually my favorite match that they had this year, I, I thought, of the three. Um, and then... You know, the rest of the tour, you know, I, I liked Naito and Suzuki a lot more this time, which some people did, some people didn't. So, you know, whichever side you fall on there. Um, you know, there was Omega and Ishii. I did not like that match at all, honestly. But, you know, some people I know like that one, but I just thought it was way below the G1 match. Um, what do you think about the Destruction Tour? I guess we'll start with you for once, Joel. What was the Destruction Tour like for you? Uh, it was just a bit forgettable, and it usually is. I think it suffers from that post-G1 lull where everyone's coming down off the high of the G1 and the G1 finals, and nothing, a distraction, is ever going to live up to that. But, yeah, I expected bigger things from Omega against Ishii, and their G1 match was shorter, it was tighter, and it was better. This one, it kind of veered into uh, Kenny over-extravagance in the way the match was laid out. So, uh that's my main takeaway from destruction, and uh, of course, Taichi. We uh, we had Taichi. Mm-hmm. Was this where he won the Never Openweight title? Yep, this is where he won the Never title. So no. yeah, that's a, a momentous occasion for <laughs> us Taichi fans. Um, a long time coming. Uh, match wasn't the best, uh, but uh, even so, a big moment for Heavy T. Big big moment for Miho. You see how how happy she was. I mean, um. Damon, what do you think of the Destruction Tour this year? Uh, you know what? I I hate the fact, and and I know why they do it. It's not no surprise that you know if you're able to fill three three buildings as opposed to one, why not? I hate the fact that they split these shows up into three and to make three okay shows when really you could do just one. Um, the things that you know, looking back on these shows, you know, you look at the first one in 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 uh, Hiroshima. Uh, I remember Fale squashing Hanare. <laughs> Poor Hanare finally gets a singles match on a on a halfway decent big show, and he just gets toasted under five, under three minutes, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I do remember the uh, Omega and Ishii match falling a little bit short. Right, um, I have a lot short actually, but uh, <laughs> I, I, and, and Tai Chi uh, winning in night two, and it was Naito and Suzuki again. And then Kobe was, yeah, a strong main event with Tanahashi and Okada. 
Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was Bushi and Kushida. I could be wrong. Yeah, that wasn't really like super yeah. great or anything. So, you know, uh, it was, again, I think my biggest complaint when, if, if I, you know, think back of doing the show, well, doing our, our show and reviewing these shows was, you know, I just wish they could, they could find a way to put this into one show because it feels like overkill on three shows from a pure wrestling perspective. You know, um, I, again, I understand the money. I can understand you can fill the building to do it, but just from a pure standpoint of, I got to sit through 98% nonsense to get to just a couple decent things. It seemed like, ugh, it seemed like I had a better chance of, uh, doing something more fun over the weekend than watching. Uh, Evan, what do you think about destruction? Well, you think you realize that, um, it's, Although it's technically three shows, it's more like five because they also had, you know, um, Fighting Spirit Unleashed and King of Pro Wrestling within a couple of weeks. And so they were kind of splitting title matches with those shows too, which was a bit much. Um, Destruction, I was actually, I was the high man on uh, Omega Ishii. I thought it was pretty great, especially the ending. They got they got the crowd pretty riled up and I was surprised by that. Um, Okada versus Tanahashi was maybe one of my top three matches of the year. So, amazing, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it, when I think of, like, the last few Destruction years, I can't think of anything close to an Okada-Tanahashi match, so I'm with you. Uh, August, any thoughts on Destruction? Uh, most of what you guys have said, the Tanahashi and Okada is the only match worth watching from the whole thing. And I haven't seen, like, every Tanahashi-Okada match, like, before I started watching New Japan. Uh, but this was maybe my favorite of their their series. Like, I, I really like this match. It's definitely my favorite this year. I can never remember if I like the Invasion Attack one better or the King of Pro Wrestling one better. But see, either way. See, those, see I started, started at, like, Wrestle Kingdom 9. Yeah. And so I didn't see those earlier ones. And I, I just can't. haven't gone back to watch them. So, uh, but yeah, and also, man... It was really disappointing with Ishii and Omega. Like, I just kept watching, waiting for the match to, waiting for something fun to happen, and it it didn't really till the very final, like five minutes or so. So I I, I was pretty bummed at that match. And it was to me, it was the it was the start of Omega's fall, which just did not go well at all as far as like the title reign. Um, you know, not from a business standpoint because everything still drew really well. So that yet you, you do have to point that out. But like, I don't know, just between him not being around much and then when he was around and I wasn't into this and I definitely wasn't into the King of Pro Wrestling main event either. It just, it just felt like a very lackluster title reign to me, but you know, I'm sure a lot of people disagree. And clearly, as you can see in the super J cast awards, people still loved it. So um, fighting spirit unleashed. I don't know if we have to talk about this really. It was a, it was a show. <laughs> it was a pretty good show, I guess, but like, it just there's nothing. I'm looking at the results now. Not like none of this stands out in my mind. Adam, does anyone really feel strongly about Fighting Spirit Unleashed? Yeah, they killed Long Beach, is what they did. <laughs> <laughs> they came back way too fast. It's true. I'm like three that. Well, they do like three thousand, I think. Um, you know what? It was. That's correct. Was it? Yeah. 10? Yeah. So I mean, look, I, I, I again, I I always kind of think back on what do we talk about on the show. And I think Joel can, can speak to this. Is is we talked about that? No, that we didn't talk about it. And and it was just such a 
uh, you know, you didn't know a show. You didn't know a lot. You knew some people that were going to be there. You didn't know. uh, It was just like, what are they doing? I mean, you set people up for the easy jokes when, like, you have the only matches announced for weeks and weeks for, like, all white people. (laughs) I mean, uh, that's that's the truth, though. And, and, you know, I I know people who went and enjoyed it and enjoyed the show. But, um, yeah, I just remember the lead up to this kind of being like, wow, they... They're coming back again, and it seemed very quick. And I mean, this is even where I think that's where even where Okada commented on it, right? Was around this show where yep. he said, "Like, I don't think we're giving them the American fans real New Japan or something." But um, after that was King of Pro Wrestling, which I, I have to admit I was stunned at the show, <laughs> like sold out with that that three way main event announced at the last minute. Um, it didn't sell out, or, or well, not sold out. It, it did really well though, right? Like ninety ninety five hundred or something. 9,100 was about 1,000 sort of a sellout. Okay. So it was down from Sakura Genesis. Yes. Okay. So maybe that's less surprising. What, I, what I've what i heard, and people are going to think I'm, because of who I am and I'm being a homer, but I'm going to throw this theory out there because I've been told it by several people in Japan that they they swear to God that this is the reason why a lot of people bought their ticket the last second. That LIJX thing was a really big deal and sold a lot of last-minute tickets. So, like, the LIJ fans really turned out to see who the mystery partner was going to be. So, I'm sure there are plenty of Kenny fans in the building, too, for the Kenny's match. But I just want to throw that out there as, like, I'm, I've had people in Japan insist to me that was, like, a, a last-minute ticket mover. Um, and if you look at, like, the YouTube hits, I think, for the, the X video, like, the, the hits were, like, through the roof, which would, I guess, support that. But, yeah, King of Pro Wrestling, um, I don't know. I really like Kanahashi and Jay White. That was, a, I, I thought, a really fun match. You know, just there's not a lot on this show otherwise. I mean, Kushida and Scroll was fine. Um, it just wasn't really that great to me. Um, and then you just really, you know, a lot of tags and stuff in the undercard. And the main event, I just thought, was just 34 minutes of my life I'll never get back. I just really did not enjoy it at all. And the, the thing I took away from the show, that from that main event, that just stunned me was how like dead the crowd was for long stretches of it. Like they just didn't know what to make of it. Um, which I don't know if that's really anyone's fault or just like a new Japan crowd, not knowing, you know, what like this type of match was supposed to be in a main event at a sumo hall. And, you know, to a degree, they kind of played it in the storyline with Tanahashi coming out and like, you know, telling Kenny, you can't just do what you want here. This is new Japan, which I thought was a really cool moment, but we had to sit through this match to get that moment. So, um, I don't know, Evan. Do you feel different about this than I than I do? What do you think about King of Pro Wrestling? Oh, I actually can't disagree with you too much. The match was kind of strange, in that there were flashes of goodness, mostly when Cody was not involved, but overall it didn't really get to that point, and the crowd wasn't really feeling it that much to begin with. So the show wasn't all that spectacular. Probably the, it was definitely to me the weaker of the two Sumo Hall shows this year, and one of the weaker ones that I've seen in a couple of years, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, August, what do you think of King of Pro Wrestling? So I liked the main event. My notebook says I liked the main event. I gave it four and a quarter. I don't remember anything about what happened in it though. <laughs> so it <laughs> obviously it obviously didn't stick with me though. What I do remember from this show is uh, Jay White versus Tanahashi. I love this match. Uh, I thought it was. It was easily the best Jay White match uh, in his in this uh, run since he's come back as a switchblade. 
felt like he spent the G1 kind of perfecting his character and perfecting how to do his character in the ring without sacrificing match quality and that this was the the accumulation of that and it has me really excited for him in 2019 you know it helps that he was in there with you know tanahashi but i i thought this match was great uh damon what do you think of king of pro wrestling well you know it's funny that you, you talked a little bit about um you know the ticket sales and, and the, the match being announced and i think somebody we we tweeted something or joel tweeted something because i don't tweet shit but um it, it's something got back to us and, and i got just enraged and i was like fuck this i'm finding out something so somebody had mentioned that it was you know well, it was kenny and 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 the you know after they announced that match ticket sales went through the roof and blah 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 and i'm like I, I, come on so i texted somebody uh that works in japan and so i'll read you the text hey <laughs> uh it's damon sorry to bother uh don't know if you have an answer to this or not but we had to ask after the three-way match was announced in Long Beach, we are hearing that 2,500 to 3,000 tickets were bought for KOPW. Is that true? The person got back to me. Uh, I don't know, but I doubt it. Only mm-hmm. a tickets difference between this year and last. Um, How many? A hundred, he said. Mm. I came to walk up. Oh, right. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where that narrative came from, and I hate that word, but I'm going to use it anyway. Uh, I don't know where that came from. So um, I don't know. I, I, listen, I doubt it was the, the, uh, that match announcement bringing in that many people for sure. Um, maybe it was the X and Losing. I don't know. But it didn't seem like uh, to me and to that person that tickets were moving briskly because of the announcement of uh, the match at I mean, I felt like I the X theory I wanted to share, but I know some people are not going to take it seriously because I'm very pro Naito as far as my bias goes. But that's what people in Japan told me, so I shared it. I shared it a lot. I got that from two different people. Yeah, I mean, I don't doubt that that that. Well, let's put it this way: the only reason I tuned in for that show was to see Shingo. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think the buzz on Twitter was all about that mystery partner going in. Yes. I mean, and the Western Twitter fan buzz does not always match up with the Japan buzz, but sometimes it does. So. I, I, listen, the feedback we got was it was that that was all about that moment, you know. And yeah. and again, it, it I don't know necessarily it gets played back in the video montage of 2018, but at least for that show, it actually did. By the way, it did get played back in the montage. There you go. Okay. <laughs> but. Uh, with that being said, I think a lot of people were focused on that as opposed to the main. Yeah, and I'm talking about the for people who aren't clear the one before they play before the last two shows, the Road to Tokyo Dome. They do that every year, the best of the year. It did the Shingo reveal made that, uh, made that montage. Joel, what do you think about King of Pro Wrestling? I think everyone's covered the main points. I'm also on the uh, Shingo sold the tickets uh, bandwagon. But uh, we haven't touched upon what happened after the Tanahashi J White match, where we finally got the the big angle oh, with yeah, J White turning on Okada, if I'm not mistaken, and then reforming the new look Bullet Club, which I think is worth commenting on because 
it's not an angle that really had a big payoff in in terms of a match. Like we had uh, the elite basically conceding the rights to the Bullet Club so name stupid. via Twitter while they were on a boat, <laughs> which uh, is a, a a massive L because this is something. Uh, you know, I keep saying it. Just ha- have something, throw something on one of these cards. Have a, you know a five on five elimination tag match or something with the elite guys against the Bullet Club, and whoever wins gets to keep the the rights to the Bullet Club thing. Don't just have one guy's group saying, uh, "Okay, we're not Bullet Club." anymore this is our last bullet club shirt blah 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 because that it sucks and it was something with just absolutely no payoff and it was bad and they should feel bad i want i'm glad you brought this up though because i want to bring up um <laughs> damon's like very amused i want to bring this up because i'm not afraid to come on here and admit when i'm wrong at the time i hated this angle i thought the payoff for the jay white and gato heel turn joining the new bullet club being with or bullet club ogs which just became the new bullet club um, was really stupid and wasn't going to be interesting at all. I've actually really enjoyed Jay White in the Bullet Club. Um, I just think they've been the way they built up the unit and like had them be like just unbeatable against the Okada Tanahashi Dream Team and against um, you know all you know all of Chaos and all that. I think that all that stuff has actually been really fun and he's fit in with the group really well. And just the group has a lot more chemistry than they did when they had like the elite in there too, I think. So, and uh, Joel's telling me that Tama just said on Twitter, he's the, Jay's now the official leader. So there you go. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I just think that's really, I, I you know, I'm, I'm happy to come on here and say that like, you know, if you go back and listen to the King of Four Wrestling episode, I hated the angle at the time, but it's really worked out a lot better than I expected. I think Jay White and Bullet Club has been um, a pretty damn good, uh, you know, little thing and like a good build for White and Okada. Damon, want to add something here? Go ahead. Uh, again, again, during that turn, we did we, we did bear witness to maybe one of the worst chair shots in the history of pro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, anyone want to add anything about White and Bullet Club? Because I guess that's like a last end of year thing here. No. Okay. So, oh, Joe, go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to know what people's feelings were on the fact that Bullet Club have basically traded one leader for another leader and i hate to say it but you know one white guy leading them for another white guy leading them is <laughs> that true. is well, that all rubbish the leaders, all the leaders have been white They've guys been white. Yeah. yeah so i don't know if that's like a requirement or something it's a little weird uh but i like jay white a lot as the bullet club leader so i'm okay with it i guess august you wanted to throw something out there too so go ahead well i don't i don't remember if it was so soon that it was on king of pro wrestling or if it was later but when uh like when okada comes out to save tanahashi yeah that was corkin a few crowd, weeks later i think how just goes fucking oh no it's here. It, is here it is here you're right and uh like this is this the the okada j white has been the hottest by crowd reaction uh, story in the company, not the title match. Well, the t- uh, how can the title match be hot when the fucking champions I, aren't even there? So. Uh, the stare downs, those two. Well, we'll get to that later, I assume. But uh, yeah, the crowd's going nuts for Okada and White, and uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's it, it's gonna be uh, be awesome at the Tokyo Dome. Like, yeah. I know people are like, oh, will they deliver? Because the white Tanahashi match last year was kind of disappointing, but I actually think they definitely will. So I, th- I, I think know. it's going to be a lot. I think yeah. white's a lot better. Uh, yeah. 
going into this one than he was. And like the crowd is, and the crowd has the crowd had no fucking idea what to make of Switchblade Jay White last year. Here now, now they know exactly who he is. So now I think that's a, yeah. yeah so I think it's going to be great. Um, okay, so we're being. I'm glad we're being positive now to <laughs> counteract the negativity that main event that all of us seem to hate. So, um, but, but to get a little negative again, very quickly, the Super Junior Tag League. Um, this was something I was very excited for going in. Like, you know, I was so excited. I wrote like a whole preview on it that even got me that little Kevin Kelly shout out, which was cool. But, um, you know, I, I just was very disappointed by this. I watched every match in it and just, I don't know, the guys just did not seem like they were trying that hard. And maybe it's just because it's a bunch of random little tour stops where they're like shoehorning this league in now. What always that always used to be a quick single elimination tournament. They just, I don't know, they just didn't get up for it this year or whatever. But like, it just didn't. I don't know. They, there was nothing that great in this tournament, in this league, in my opinion. Um, we don't. I don't know if we have to go round table on this because it was so nothing. And but unless anyone else wants to talk, wants to talk about it, maybe the the militant junior heavyweight advocate Evan, you could throw in here. What do you think? What do you think of the Super Junior Tag League? Well, I also was very excited when I heard there was being upgraded to a league because now, you know, those tournaments are basically, those matches are basically the number one attraction of the, of the, uh, of all the tours coming into the final show. I also thought, you know, I didn't watch all of it like you did. Good job on your part. You should be <laughs> proud. But, you know, from what I saw also, I guess you could say that that's the case. That's how it was. It was a whole lot of pretty good. And, you know, that's how we wrestling fans are in 2018. Pretty good. Is that all? You, is that all you got? You know. Yeah, we see pretty good when we're all out of bed now. So, but I'm pretty good. I can watch. I don't know NXT UK or something. Um, August, you wanted to add something here, so go ahead. So I, I watched most of it. I watched all the full shows and uh, a couple matches here and there. And the best match of the tournament was the opener, the Young Lion opener on night one. <laughs> yes, that's true. I know. The, I know the, the match. Fan. Yeah, uh, I, it's the only one I have in my notebook is Narita Umino and Hanare versus Umera, Suji, and Yoshida. Yeah, and it was awesome. I do, and I nothing... do want to. The young lines were awesome all year, I think, and just adding in two, two more, you know, with uh, with Suji and Umera, just yeah, they had a really great year. So, should mention that since we're doing a year in review here. Um, that brings you to Power Struggle. Of, I like the show a lot. This is a you know, I, I like this quite a bit more than King of Four Wrestling. Um, you know, the three-way with uh, the Super Junior Tag Final was pretty good. Uh, Goto Taichi, you know, devastating result, but I actually liked the match quite a bit with Taichi, like, beating Goto down early and Goto having to fire his way back. And then the top three matches I thought were all pretty awesome. You know, Ishii and Suzuki had a their usual, like, brutal match. Naito and Sabre was, like, fucking outstanding. Um, I think even better than their G1 match, which was, you know, really, really good as well. And then another really cool Intercontinental title match with Jericho and Evil. So, Joel, what did you think of Power Struggle? Uh, yeah, I think it was uh, an underrated card. I think it was one of the better ones of the year. Uh, top to bottom, nice, easy watch. Uh, I thought Ichi versus Suzuki was a great match. Um, we even got a very rare Suzuki drop kick. And you know, I said before, when you see the drop kick, then you know that Suzuki means business. Um, Naito against Zack Sabre Jr. I think that might be my feud of the year because they had three terrific matches together from the New Japan Cup to the G1 to this match of Power Struggle. They got great chemistry together. They're just they're two personalities and attitudes and cockiness just uh, bounce off each other really nicely. Yeah. So I just yeah, a really terrific show. I mean, uh, I think ever... they sort of bottled it with the main event though. They, 
They should have put the belt on Evil, but that's a minor complaint. Yeah, because then you could have done like IC title and Naito Jericho, because you know you can still have the reason to do Naito Jericho. But um, you know, I think Naito's ESJ could be a great like title match someday, whether it's for the Intercontinental or maybe for like a heavyweight champion Naito. Uh, Damon, I'm sorry I missed it. You wanted to say something, I guess, about the Junior Tag League. Ah, uh, no. I mean, I mean, we're we're on. We're, we've moved past it, but just okay. Oh, I mean, it was just it was kind of it was pointless, right? So, <laughs> Watching the entire tournament and you know finals and the finger points and I challenge you and I beat you before and that nonsense. So it really was. Um, well, they did that shit in both tag leagues. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, but it's fury <laughs> in fury. You know what I'm trying to say there. It, yeah. Off. <laughs> uh, but what do you think about power struggle, Damon? Well, uh, I, I think. A lot of people would have wanted Evil to win, but I don't know if that would would have been the best way to go. Um, I like Evil as the gatekeeper and set up Naito at the Dome. And I, and I think you know, if we're giving early predictions, Naito takes a title there. I like Naito and Zach. I really liked Ishii and Suzuki. Um, and I didn't have to do a cartwheel. I think that's really <laughs> what's most important in, for everyone involved with Goto and uh, Tai Chi. Uh, Unfortunately, did not deliver that four-star bar that we were all hoping to see. But uh, well, I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm, I'm three and zero in my cartwheel death matches. <laughs> uh, I, I feel I feel good about 2018. Uh, Evan, what do you think about Power Struggle? I can't complain about this show at all. Ishii Suzuki, Naito, Zach, Jericho put in a pretty great performance that I didn't expect of him, and I figured he would kind of like not try so hard in a match with someone who he would consider beneath him. But no, he, he busted his ass to make that match pretty good. See, you know, I heard, I heard the reason why this match even happens because he wanted to do the match with evil. So that, that didn't, didn't surprise me that he went out there and tried that hard. Oh, Jericho but, wanted evil. That's so yeah. Funny. That he, that he picked him. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's what someone told me. So, um, what do you think August? Yeah, like everyone said, it was a pretty great show. Uh, I went four and a half on Naito and Zach. Um, I thought it was great. I thought all their three of their matches were, were really, really good. Um, I liked the lead up into the match. Like I liked the three match story they told, where Zach got a submission the first time, then he won with the the Mishinoku driver in the G one, which he had been building to all tournament, and and then but he wasn't able to get either of those things in this match um then real quick i think the the losers of the two uh final matches here zach and evil i think they're gonna have huge 2019 i think they're gonna get pushed real hard yeah so i would agree this is one of the more underrated shows of the year very good show um world tag league we don't have to spend really much time on it all i actually thought it was one of the better world tag leagues in a while and that Usually I watch the first couple of shows and drop off, but I ended up watching all the way to the end just because um, I really enjoyed the Tai Chi and Zach team. So I just ended up following them all the way to the very end of the tournament. Um, and there were some cool little, like there were some storyline stuff like that Chucky e. T like berserker storyline that I don't know if that's going to go somewhere eventually, but at least it was like something on the tour. Um, and then obviously at the end, you have the never title, you know, little mini tournament kind of which is a bigger thing than we usually get at a uh, World Tag League type show. So, yeah, I don't know. Does anyone have any thoughts on the World Tag League before we wrap up the year? Not, not the Tag League itself, but I thought uh, 
Tai Chi versus Osprey was was an awesome match. Yeah, that's like Tai Chi's like big four star match, I that, think. That is, yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean that well that and the Naito one, but yeah. Yeah, well going well, to sucker me into that one. Uh, <laughs> you know, listen, he put he put a lot of heavy odds on that one. I wasn't I wasn't taking a bait on that one because I even I was worried about that. Um and the, and the possibilities there. Yeah, he definitely delivered there, and, and that's really one of Tai Chi's better matches of 2018. Uh, all right. So I guess we can wrap up the look back at the year. Anyone have any, let's say, final thoughts on how the year went? Evan, what do you think of 2018 in New Japan? I mean, I've seen, by the way, I should tell you this. Every time I see a tweet of somebody saying, I unsubscribe from New Japan World, I save it, just in case they come back. I'm very vindictive. I've never done that, by the way. As far, even during my Naito, my Naito freak out at the G1, I never, I didn't say I was unsubscribing. I mean, because I, I knew I would just if I said that I would just resubscribe immediately. So, you know, I can't say you know, 2017 was better. I think almost everybody who saw both years would say that. 2018, though, we just went over it. There was a lot, to, a lot of good to offer, but apparently not enough for some people to get turned off from the product. I hope Wrestle Kingdom can bring them back in. What do you think, Damon? I think 2018, again, is one of those years that people are going to look back on it and hopefully look at fondly because it's well-deserving. You know, when we do our match of the year poll, you know, we, we had to whittle it down to 20. 20. Um, it, it, that's, that, to me, is, is, speaks volume to, to a great year. Were there things that you could just eye roll and hand wave and, and it starts at the top? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, the tag situation still hasn't been recognized. Um, you know, lack of focus for, for certain people that it, 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 it leaves you scratching your head. But overall, and again, at the end of the day, I'm looking at match quality and, and would I watch these matches again? that you would. I mean, that I would. And um, no, it wasn't as, as good as the year previous to me, uh, but I still think it's a damn good year, and I think people are sleeping on it. Um, here's what I would say, too, because I want to, now that I've, before I go to uh, Joel, and, uh, you know, I, I really feel like it's formally in my thoughts here. I think it was a very strong year for match quality and not a great year for, like, angle storyline quality, if that makes sense. Like, there was more in the way of like feuds and storylines that I hated this year, whether it was like the bullet club civil war or, you know, some of the other stuff going on that like, just that I wasn't into at all. Then there were, have been in prior years, but like the overall match quality was still very high. So that's how I would put it. It was a very good match quality year. And then maybe some of the storyline stuff, like, you know, just being disappointed in, in Naito's use and the bullet club civil war and all that stuff just was not very good in my opinion. And the, and the golden lovers thing kind of, being dropped, you know, almost dropped pretty quickly or just not used well it was disappointing as well. But match quality, still obviously very high. Um, August, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty great year. We, uh, I got to watch a lot more of it than I normally do since uh, we had a baby this year and I'm staying at home with her. So uh, I got to watch it like that morning, whatever show was up, I just turn it on over my coffee and uh, just even there was very few bad like like really bad stuff like last year i remember like the destruction tour was terrible was really bad and there was there wasn't anything as bad 
this year as there was uh, last year. And it, it did it reach the heights of last year? Probably not. But I I don't know. I really enjoyed this year. Yeah. Um, like there wasn't anything that I connected with, like they connected with Tanahashi Naito last year, I will say. But yeah, that's um, that was uh, th- those are awesome matches. I think we both agree that those were we, we both like those more than the Okada Omega matches, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and just the whole yeah. feud and storyline and everything. But, but. but I thought they were good stories. I thought the like the rise of Zack Sabre Jr. was a good story. I liked the, the three match arch with uh, Okada and Tanahashi. Um, there were, there were things I didn't like. Uh, post G1, Kenny Omega hasn't really done much for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he, he had a great first half of the year, though. Pre yeah. G1, I, I thought he was had a phenomenal year. The story with him uh, kind of meandered about, but I thought match quality, he was, he was excellent, so... I mean that's look like that's looking into this year's Wrestle Kingdom, but Omega not being there to me is what makes like Omega Tanahashi feel like one of the weaker main events from like a like a feud standpoint. I still think it's there's such big names that it almost doesn't matter that you can still get excited for the match anyway. Yeah. But like it just doesn't feel like there was any feud there. Uh, I don't Adam, like what, that they're arguing over they're arguing over like, yeah match style is better. Like I don't. I don't give a shit about it, man. Right, come on. Yeah, it just wasn't a great feud. Evan, what do you think about 2018? Oh, no, you did already. I'm sorry. Joel, what do you think about 2018? I enjoyed it as much as 2017. If I were to compare my top 10 matches this year and last year, they're of a similar quality. I felt like I watched a lot more of it than I did last year. I don't know if there was an increase in the output of the number of live shows on NJPW World that I felt at times I was getting close to saturation point where I just thought, uh, give me a break. I don't want to watch any more for a while. <laughs> um, but uh, aside from that, I thought it was a, a really successful year. Of course, there's some stuff that I didn't like, but I felt it peaked as high as the, the top matches in 2017 did for me. All right. So with that, let's get into our awards, which we have to do very quickly since we're running a bit over here and we got a lot of questions. So wrestler of the year, just give me one pick. Evan, who is your wrestler of the year? All things considered, MVP quality and in-ring and everything else. Hiroshi Tanahashi. All right. Um, Why is Hiroshi Tanahashi MVP? Too many of my favorite matches of the year for anyone else to be it. All right. Uh, August, who's your wrestler of the year? Uh, Kenny Omega. Mm. He had uh, more great matches than, than anyone else. Uh, Joel? Yeah, I'm going Tanahashi as well. I think the whole package of the star power and the quality of matches and the storytelling just mesh brilliantly. Damon? I went with Kenny Omega. Um, I, I felt like match quality was was some of the best that I personally have ever seen. Um, I thought that even for the for, from a focused standpoint, he was throughout the entire year the chase finally getting and even though it landed like a wet fart um you know the the, the Kota Ibushi story is still to be told and I think you know I think there's more left on the table there so for me 2018 was his year finally and uh yeah I, I went with Kenny Omega so I my pick is maybe a little out of left field um I really wanted to give it to Hiromu but I can't justify it with only half a year 
Um, I'm going with Okada on this because I think his first half of the year, first of all, as IWGP champion was obviously uh, quite good. Pretty much every defense was really good uh, other than the Zach one. And he drew incredibly well on top. But then his second half of the year, like, you know, when he they asked him to take a little bit of a step back and then build up this Jay White guy as a top heel, which is maybe the most important thing for the long-term health of the company, I think he's done, like, an amazing job with that. Um, you know, he puts over Tanahashi at that, at Destruction, another really awesome match to send Tanahashi over for the Dome. And then he spends the entire, like, fall into winter on this Jay White feud, which, you know if you're not watching these spot shows was like really the focus of these shows in a lot of ways. And I thought he really made Jay white into a much bigger star, which, you know, I think that makes Okada my MVP, honestly, with, with everything else together. So that's my pick for wrestler of the year for new Japan. Um, most outstanding, just strictly in ring for me, this is where I still go with Hiromu, even though he only had half the year. I just thought that half a year was so fantastic and had so many amazing matches that I just can't give it to anybody else as far as like overall quality. Uh, Evan, what do you think for most outstanding? Oh, this one's tougher. Hiromu's up there. Maybe I'll give it to Zach for most outstanding. Yeah, he, he would be high on my list too. Um, what do you have, August? I, I have Omega again. Okay. <laughs> Joe, what do you have for most outstanding? Ibushi. I just think bell to bell, he had the best matches out of anyone. Damon? This one was really tough because, again, Ibushi, I, I would be right from the gut. I would say that's my pick. But if I'm being honest, um, you know, the reason why I picked Kenny Omega as wrestler of the year was primarily for his in-ring work. Um, I got to stick with that. I can't go against that. Mm, he'll, get, he'll get my nod here as well. All right. Um, best major show um this is really comes down to a couple shows i guess i'm going with dominion here i just i think we talked enough about it already on the your interview part but i thought this was the best show new japan did this year uh what do you think let's start with you august dominion uh, for all the reasons we've mentioned evan the same dominion joel wrestle kingdom oh okay just edging going against the crowd here <laughs> Damon, what do you have? I, yeah. I just thought that. Uh, sorry, uh, go ahead. Oh, you go, Joe. Uh, just in terms of the average match quality, I thought Wrestle Kingdom was better. Uh, the first half of Dominion was just a bit forgettable. It wasn't bad, but just from start to finish, Wrestle Kingdom was great. And Damon, what do you have? You know, I went with Dominion originally, and I'll, I'll stick with it. Dominion. <laughs> Uh, and then finally, let's do match of the year. I think we all have a top five, so we'll just go five, four, three, two, one here. Uh, August, give me your fifth place match. I don't know if it counts, but it is the rain match between oh, yeah, Nada sure, and Suzuki because I don't know if it's officially a new Japan show or no, not. We'll count but, it, uh, it was like I have matches on my list that I rated higher, but nothing. Uh, match the spectacle of, of this one and just how unique it was. It, it was just really cool and everybody should watch it. Uh, Evan, what's your fifth place match? Ahashi versus Zack Sabre Jr. New Japan Cup Final. Cool. Uh, Joe? Uh, Ishii against Kenny Omega in the G1. 
And Damon? Yeah, I went Ishii as well, but uh, this one I went Ishii against uh, Kotobushi. And I have Tanahashi versus Okada, number one contendership from Kobe. Uh, Destruction. That's my fifth place. August, fourth place. Uh, It is... Taiji Ishimori versus Hiromu Takahashi for best of Super Juniors. We went four and three quarters. Evan, fourth place. Omega versus Ishii, G1 Climax. And Joel, go ahead, fourth place. Ibushi against Ishii in the G1. And Damon? Uh, best of the Super Junior Finals, Hiromu and uh, Ishimori. In my fourth place, I have Omega and Naito in the G1, uh, July 15th at Oda War Gym. Uh, August 3rd place. Ibushi versus Ishii, G1. Evan? <clears throat> Ishimori versus Hiromu. That's the Super Juniors final. Uh, Joel? Okada against Omega at Dominion. And Damon? I went uh, Tanahashi Ibushi G1 final. And my third place, I have Omega and Ishii in the G1, August 4th in Osaka. August, your second place. Uh, the G1 final, Tanahashi versus Ibushi. Um, Evan, go ahead, your second place. Tanahashi versus Ibushi as well. And Joel? Hiromu against Ishimori in the best of Super Juniors final. Damon? I went uh, Ishii Omega G1. And I have Naito Ibushi G1 August 4th in Osaka as my second place. Uh, First place match. Go ahead, August. First place match of the year. Match of my life. Omega versus Okada. Dominion. Evan? Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kazuchika Okada. Destruction in Kobe. Mm. Uh, Go ahead, Joel. Tanahashi against Ibushi in the G1 final. And Damon? Well, as the old man here, uh, with uh, quite a few years under my belt, uh, I went Kenny Omega and uh, Okada from uh, Dominion Three Falls. And my number one was Hiromu and Ishimori. That's the Super Junior Final, which is my overall match of the year, actually. So there you go. Um, So that is our awards. Uh, I think we went through. If you missed any of those matches, obviously... Check any of them out before you wrap up your year. And that brings us to our questions. We had quite a bunch, so let's get into them here. Um, I'm going to skip some here that are joke questions. So <laughs> sorry if you asked a hilarious joke. At T-I-M-M-A-H Wrestling, the New Japan US title, more or less pointless slash harmful than the WWE European title? Uh, I don't know. It's pretty pointless right now. I assume the entire point of this thing will be to headline the American shows, like the New Beginnings in America ones we're going to be having that are like at the same time as the Japan tours, you know, these smaller American shows. That seems like the whole point of the title. So if that's not what it's being used for, then I really don't know what it's used for. But yeah, this year it was super pointless. And, you know, Jay White had a decent little run with it. Maybe it elevated him a little bit, but like, you know, Juice wins it and then loses every match in the G1 and then uh juice you know immediately loses to cody who we never see again you know just not a not a great year for the u.s title anyone any thoughts on the united states title uh i'll say this that the united states title 
is one of the most badass looking titles. <laughs> I think that, <laughs> I mean, it looks sharp. I'll give you that. So uh, no matter where it is on the card, it looks good around somebody's waist. All right. No other thoughts on the U.S. title? Uh, um, I, I think the white run with it is like the best you're going to do with this title. Like used to kind of keep somebody like that busy before they're ready to, to move on up. So, you know. Um, at P Cakes Midwest, obviously Naito losing was still the wrong choice, but will it be worth it if he has an incredible match with Okada or Tana to win it at would I maybe means would it be worth it to win it at this Wrestle Kingdom is finally able to have a long run because he's not gonna be at this Wrestle Kingdom with Okada or Tana, <laughs> clearly. Okay, I don't I don't sorry, buddy, I don't get that question actually. Um I mean it would have been worth it, sure. I don't know why they didn't go that way though, so um Let's see. There's no way to know if it's going to be worth it. You've got to wait until it happens and then say if it was worth it. Yes. Um, Lost in Comedy, of course, he's a a uh, voice wrestling contributor, guest of the show. Will Big Tom Ishii ever win the big one? I'd say probably not, buddy. <laughs> if it hasn't happened by now, and it's you know you, I I don't know. I I this makes me want to like. This is where I get my like old person feeling, I guess. Where I'm not, you know, not that I'm that old or anything, but like. It feels like nowadays some fans feel like every single person has to win the fucking world title. And back in the like it's okay for someone just to be like a fantastic wrestler and not make it to that level, right? Like you can just be a like a career upper mid carter that just was like outstanding because he's a short little bald man. You know? One of the things that you know we hear a lot is, you know, why isn't him or Goto? And and the feedback that I've gotten is you know and it might be something minor who knows but it's those post-match promos when was the last time you heard ishi give a promo that wasn't just i feel sad or you know yeah that's a good point (laughs) not going to deliver that heartfelt you know killer promo that connects with the people um and i think that's really if if and again i don't speak the language that's just the feedback i get but you know if if that's the case then you know there is a strike against ishi it, it might possibly be that well, I'm, one of my friends used to say, like, you can always tell when Ishii is going to win the main event of a big show or a big-ish show, or like a G1 or whatever, if he's in the main event, because, like, if you're watching live, the runtime will be much shorter because it's not going to be a big promo at the end because Ishii is going to, you know, he's going to be like, yep, I won and leave. So and I think that, that that probably does hold him back. August, you want to jump in here, so go ahead. I, I really like Ishii's current role of going around to other promotions and winning their titles. Yes, <laughs> so I, that's perfect for him. I don't think he will ever he'll ne- he'll never win the the main title. He'll probably never win the you know Intercontinental title, but he could absolutely win the Ref Pro title or the Ring of Honor title or whatever. I, I think it's great. Yeah, I, I, he should be Ring of Honor World Champion tomorrow. Honestly, Evan, go ahead. What's up? This is actually funny. Um, we were having a big argument in my Discord today about whether or not it would be good for Ishii to win the world title. And basically it came down to basically arguing whether or not it would be worth it considering it doesn't really elevate somebody in the long term. And the fact that it doesn't is why I don't think it will happen. I think that there's a fundamentally different philosophy now than 10 years ago when Makanishi won the title that however old he was, 45, I, don't, I have no idea how old he was. I don't think it will happen. It will be cool. Would it 
be some sort of super memorable thing that'll last a long time if it happened? Probably not. So, uh, Joel wants to jump in here too. So go ahead, Joel. I just think having that host of guys in the second tier, like Ishii, Goto, Suzuki, Shibata, Ibushi, who have never won it, makes uh, the title more prestigious. So totally, if you start totally giving everyone like a, a little sympathy run, then you devalue the belt. Look, not to compare too much with WWE again, but like when that title meant the less in WWE was when it felt like every single person, like just if you were like an over mid carter, you got to run with it for a while in like the 2000s. So I don't know. I mean, partly because they had two of them. Um Aaron, Aaron, who's a longtime friend of the show, if Naito beats Jericho, who should eventually beat Naito for the IC title? Taichi! He teased it. He said on the Corican <laughs> show that he's watching it very carefully. It should be Taichi. That's my pick. Anyone have a pick for this? August, go ahead. Jay give White. me your pick. Jay White. Yeah. You think he's... Some people are saying he should go straight to heavyweight. So... I mean, good, but... I think uh, I think I I kind of want to see a Jay White Naito feud next year. So yeah, that would be pretty awesome. I think. I mean, something they could save though, because they've never they haven't done it at all yet. So maybe yeah. you could save it even yeah. further down the line. Uh, Joel, go ahead, give me your pick. Joel, uh, Zach Saber Junior. I just think it would be a good payoff to the little feud that they're having, and I really think Zach could do a great job with that icy title. All right. Um, if no one else has an answer, and move on then to Skyler throwing in here. Uh, considering Osprey, White, Hangman, Saban, Scroll, Finley, Beretta, Elgin, Owens, Shingo, Ishimori, and other non-homegrowns being firmly entrenched in multiple tours, are New Japan going to move away from reducing Young Lions in favor of just picking up freelancers? Um, that's an interesting question, and I think the answer is no. They have like so many Young Lions now that clearly they're still producing a lot of them. I think. They took so many young lions. I mean, they. It's important to look back and be like, they have a lot of young lions now in the, in the last few years because the promotion's hot again. Whereas like ten years ago, they were not very hot at all. Ten, fifteen years ago, and you know that was a period where they weren't really recruiting as well, right? And some of the guys that should be big homegrown stars now, um, you know, if you look at where they where they were in the young line process versus where they should be now. I mean, Eugirio, I love the guy, but he's obviously never going to be much more than a uh, lower mid card hand at this point. Um, the former bone soldier is not even with us anymore. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just, there's just a lot of like, there were holes in the lineup. I think that, you know, they, they did look outside the company to fell, but I think the, the current crop of young lines is really good. So I would actually expect in the future. In the future, I don't know where where they're going to plug all these guys in, and that's something I wonder a lot about. Is like where are all these guys going to come in and, and like slot into the roster? So, but I just I just think no, they probably will not. I mean, they're gonna they're always going to have Young Lion, but yeah, go ahead, Damon. You want to jump in here? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I you know, go back in time and your Hercules Hernandez, your Scott Norton, and your you know. You're, you, you, you're David Finley's and you're the senior that is, uh, you know, you're always going to have guys that fill that middle of the card and upper middle card that aren't homegrown talent. Actually, I'm sorry to jump in, but he actually, he brought up White and Finley. I basically would include those as homegrown guys. 
I mean, yeah. they came up through the dojo. Yeah, they, but, but, they're white people, but otherwise they're homegrown talent. Yeah, the, uh, senior, uh, right in the juniors, right? Yeah. When dad was over there, you know, rolling around with Liger and um, and, and uh, you know everybody else in the juniors in the nineties. Um, but again, they've always had you know people that they've brought in and have done tours. I mean. You know, Lightning Kid. Um, I'm just kind of just going through names in my head. You know, like a Road Warrior Hawk. You know, um, just it's it's always been a part of it. It's it. I I always scratch my head. You know, when people bring up all this, you know, uh, American or Western talent is over. They've they've always had these people that filled in the gaps. Um, and and again, they have the best training system and the best feeder system right now. Again, the, the the running joke is is that right now where these young lions are, they're better than than half that NXT roster. Um, so you know, look, it, it, no, I don't think they're going to get rid of it at any time soon. But again, it's always going to be something where they plug in the holes with with uh, foreign talent. I do think if you compare the one four card to past one four cards, there are more foreigners on it than ever. But um, again, we're, we're counting Jay White as a foreigner who also, I mean, he basically is a homegrown guy. In one of the main matches, so that's that kind of like skews things. Um, anyone else? Have any, I, I don't know. I, people just in the chat seem to be very like down on this question, so I don't know if anyone else has thoughts on it. But Evan, do you have any thoughts? I remember reading something from a blogger posthumously known as Enuhito. Remember him? Yes. How? Yeah. And he talked about something where uh, Takaki Kadani said in early 2015. Well. We have a big roster right now. What if we did a WWE and started doing a second brand? So I think that an oversized roster will never be a problem for New Japan. There's always room to expand, and they're always going to want homegrown guys who they can count on besides talent that they can get from elsewhere. So, Yeah, and I think maybe the American brand, the American idea long-term is to almost be a second brand or at least be like a place where you can send more the roster to like go maybe be their own excursion but i don't know that could be me speculating a little too heavily but that's the vibe i get well that's what they're doing now with the new beginning shows next year they're concurrent to the japanese tour it's a total version of a second brand split so So i'm saying like maybe long term the idea is to have that as a real touring brand and just instead of having to send your lug your young lions off random places you can just send them there instead yeah, yeah, from what I understand, that is the plan, or that was the plan. Yeah. Um, okay, so at AWQ1985, should Taichi, Despi, and ZSJ do a coup and take over Suzuki Goon? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Saber Goon. August likes this idea. I, I have been calling it since, uh, since the New Japan Cup run, that 2019 Saber Goon. <laughs> Anyone else feel? Uh, Damon doesn't care because he doesn't like factions. Oh, factions. When I hear you talk about this, it's like, oh, this is like one of my favorite parts of Japanese wrestling. I love all the units and everything. Yeah, uh, it just seems like one of those things that you just—it's just like to the ground. It's been burnt and kicked in. Uh, you know, it's 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 the heel authority figure equivalent to me here in the state. Mm. It's just I I don't care who joins factions. I just I does nothing for me. Oh, that's interesting. It's one of the things that originally drew me to Japanese wrestling. I'm not somehow like 16 years later. I'm not sick of it. Apparently. Um, 
All right, so Gerald DiTrolio says, was Juice versus Eugerio in the New Japan Cup Eugerio's best singles match this year? Yes, we did. I think we did say that. Hex best singles match in the last two. I think, yeah, we already, we, I think we all agreed on that already. So I guess I should have skipped that one. But yes, it was. Uh, TJ, if Hiromu comes back as a heavy, uh, Evan's going to be mad already, I can tell. Do you think he could hit a time bomb on bigger guys? I, yeah, I don't see why not, actually. He, a lot of people hit, like, I mean, Taichi hit that, uh, what's it called, air raid crash on Goto. I mean, that's not really that much of a different move. But Did you see his uh, his little update about how he's 700% recovered? He said he weighs 96 kilograms now. He must be super fat. <laughs> so there you go. I wonder if he, do you think he is going to come back as a heavyweight? Because I think it's very possible. Don't make me sad. <laughs> Um, okay, let's see. At Mad Extreme, never Abushi versus Shingo in 2019. Yes, I like that idea a lot. That'd be awesome. Except I think Osprey's winning at Tokyo Dome. But um, and then what is a realistic 2019 outlook for Abushi sans Kenny and one with Kenny? Uh, Joel, you're like our Golden Lovers person on the show, so why don't you answer this one? Yeah, I would just like a heavyweight tag run. I think it would make sense for Omega to drop the belt to Tanahashi. And then he and Ibushi can go on a tag run. They can feud with Evil and Sonado or anyone else who wants to step up to that roster because that's my one problem with the Golden Lovers. The matches have been outstanding, but they just haven't really contributed to the overall heavyweight tag championship division. Yeah. What about without without Omega? Uh, I think he's going to keep the Never Belt. And yeah, I could see him going on a little run for the first half of the year and having showcase singles matches with various people. Uh, I could see him wrestling Tai Chi. Again, they, they were emphasizing on the most recent show that Shingo classes himself as an open weight. So, yeah, sure. Go in that direction too. Why not? All right. Um, at FXK Dreaming, on a scale of 1 to 10, how big of an L was this year for Naito? So I would have gotten really high on this before the G1. Like I would have gotten like a 10 or something because the first half of his year, he didn't get to do fucking anything. Um but he had such an outstanding run in the G1, even though he came up short in the end against Zach. Um, just his matches were so good. Um, I thought he like really saved the thing with Suzuki. And then like the just revealing that new LIJ partner would end up being such a big deal, from what I understand. I would go like a six. It was a wasted year for a guy who I think is so good that he could have been doing more, but like I it just wasn't that G1 was so good and he, he did enough in the back half of the year to where I don't feel like it was a total waste. I don't know. You're, you're the other, other big uh, Naito stand August. What do you think about this question? Uh, he, he definitely, he took a step back this year. So like Tanahashi and uh, Omega and Okada could, could do their, their story, but he never disappeared. I, I alluded to that earlier. Like he was always there hanging around, uh, and he's still Whatever, so old various title. Yeah, and, and the thing I like most about Naito, frankly, is he he's always there for his faction. He is a great faction leader. So whenever anyone, whenever Hiromu has a big match, you know, Naito is there tagging with him leading up to it. He's, he's seconding the the juniors in their tag league. He's he's always there for them. The, the, the crowds when he came out like as a surprise as a second like they actually just they just saw like the reincarnation of Elvis or something. It was amazing. <laughs> so so he he's taken a step back from from prominence, 
but I and, but he had a great year for for ring work, uh, especially like you said the last half of the year. And then I I don't think this is that big of a speed bump for him. Yeah. Uh, I and then um okay here's my favorite question because it's such a great one for a roundtable so all of you can answer this uh, at Rasslin ratings quick yes no on if these people will ever win the IWGP heavyweight title so I'll just go around the room here I'll just go start with August through Damon so evil August is evil ever going to win the IWGP heavyweight title yes uh, Evan I think so Joel Joel yes okay Damon. No, I'm also. I'm. Oh, go ahead. That gimmick. He ain't winning that title until that gimmick goes away. I'm also a no on evil. I have to say. I just. I I know that's going to break some people's hearts. I think he's going to win the intercontinental, but not the heavyweight. All right, August Sonata. No. Um, Evan. Uh. No. Joel. No. Damon. No. I'm also a no. Zack Sabre Jr., August. Unfortunately not. Evan. Don't think so. Joel. No. Damon. <sighs> no. I'm a yes on Zach. I actually think he will get really? like some kind of short transition reign. I think it will happen for him at some point. Uh, will Ospreay, August. No. Evan. No. Joel. Yes. Wow, there's a there's a big one, Damon. Uh, this is what this might be my uh, my my shot in the dark. I'm going yes. Ah, uh, well, I'm a no on Osprey, but that's that's really good. Why do you guys want to tell me your, your explain your yes to me? Why do you think he's going to win the heavyweight title? I, I'll take this one, Joel, and then follow up by all means. But I just think they're going all in on him. I really do. I think um, you know he's they they want him to put on a little bit more size, but I I really feel like they're 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 putting all their chips on Osprey. I really do. Kota Ibushi, August. No. Evan. No. Joel. Depends what his contract situation is, but no. Damon. Yeah, not until he signs. Um, I'm gonna say yes on Coda. I just maybe it's like a wanting to have the hope for him still, but I think he signs a one year deal at some point and he wins the title. Jay White. Maybe. August. Yes. Evan. I think so. Joel? Yes. Damon? <sighs> this one's actually fucking tough. I'm going to go now. I'm a yes. I think he's so young. I think he'll get there. And, and they're behind him as a product of the system. I think it, I think he will eventually win it. it the only yeah, way it was... Five years or something, you know? Not yeah. But I mean, I think I could see him winning it next year, honestly. But I think eventually he'll get there, even if he doesn't. Even if he doesn't win it like next year, the only caveat, obviously, would be if he bolted to WWE or something. And the last name on the list: Hiromu Takahashi, August. No. Evan. Mm. No. Wow, Joel. No, pains me to say it. Wow, Damon. Nah, there's too much against him right now. Sorry. So, okay, I, I'm a yes on Hiromu. Wow, I didn't expect it to be four no's. Do you guys just not think he's going to be able to come back? I don't um, think he'll be a heavyweight. Yeah, yeah I, and he's, I, I think size is an issue, and I think um, 
I, I don't know. Get it, haven't let him have a match first, and then I'll maybe I'll change my mind. But mm. let's get him in the ring first. I say okay. Can I, can I add a name to this question? Sure. Tomoyuki Oka. What do you think? Oh, that's a good one. I'm gonna say no. August, what do you think? I'm going no also, but I, th- I think he caps out at like never Goto level. It's really tough to see it say until we see what he looks like back in New Japan because sometimes these guys have these terrible excursions and then they come back and they just kill it somehow. Like Okada, who the fuck thought Okato was going to be IWGP heavyweight champion? So who the fuck knows? But like, gun to my head right now, I have to say no, but you never know. Joe, what do you think? No, but I would say Yoshida and Umino definitely, yes. Damon? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm in Joel's corner on this one. I think, honestly, any one of those three names has a better shot than the names that you mentioned, aside from Osprey and, and Jay White. And you don't want to ask, so why don't you answer now, Evan? What do you think? I think that he has better odds than most of you guys think. Mm. I mean, Kidani really likes him, right? Is that what you, is that? I guess what you're implying? Take that to Vegas. I well, you know, I think that um, he's definitely going to have a throwback with the with the big amateur vibe. I don't know how much they really value that at this point, but I think they value it at least a little bit. I think they're going to give him a big chance to succeed when he comes back. Well, because he's he can bring change to New Japan, bring more of a otaku influence. <laughs> but no, I hear he stopped watching all that stuff actually. Um, Haley asked, what do you think Obushi's year would have been like if he hadn't reunited with Kenny, especially if they never ended up feuding either? Um, that's a really tough question, but I don't, I don't know. I, does anyone have a good thought on this? I, I don't know what Obushi's year would have been like. It's really tough to imagine. Cruiser weight classic too. Yep. <laughs> NXT star Kota Ibushi. <laughs> Um, she also says, do you think Kenny would have won the heavyweight title at some point this year, even if Naito had won at Wrestle Kingdom 12? That's what someone brought up to me recently. It's like, it, as in, like, it could have been worse. Maybe Kenny could have beaten, you know, Naito for it. I don't know. Probably. I think Kenny was probably getting the title this year no matter what. But, you know, it's tough to speculate. I don't think Naito carries the title from, like, all year. So I think he would drop it at some point. I think... Yeah, probably okay. drop it before the big U.S. shows to Omega. So, some of these questions are a little like involved, and we got to wrap it up here. So, let me just go right to our last question, Andrew Rich. Uh, a very simple question. So, this is a an on brand one for him, of course, the music of the Matt host. Which new theme song that debuted in New Japan this year was your favorite? Uh, he gave a lot of examples, like Golden Lovers, Hangman Page, Suzuki, Shingo, Young Bucks, Okada. Killer Elite Squad, Ishimori, Hanare. Uh, August, what do you think for this question? It's Hangman. Definitely Hangman. I love that tune. Uh, Evan, what do you think? Minoru Suzuki. Really? Wow, that's interesting. I hate that new remix. But... Like, I actually... Um, <laughs> it's, it's worse as a song, as an entrance music, but as a song to listen to, I think it's better. Interesting. Um, and he also forgot that the Suzuki Goon unit theme debuted this year, too, but they never use it, so it doesn't really matter. Um, what do you think for this question, Joel? 
Uh, I think someone already mentioned it on Twitter, but finding out that Rocky Romero actually had music was uh, a big shock. <laughs> that was me. That was me. I mentioned it on Twitter. Thank you. Um, it was what he what he got that pin right over uh, over the fucking pin on the Tokyo Dome show, the Road to Tokyo Dome show. Yeah. Um, Damon, what do you think for your favorite new theme song? Um, probably Okada's remix. I, I yeah, like it. it grew on me. Yeah, I like the. Uh, trust me, I'm 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 all in on getting that back at the dome and hearing that again. But the, the original, oh, yeah. On the topic, give me high energy back at the dome, please. <laughs> no doubt. I that yeah. Tanahashi's that it still hasn't connected with me. Um, but I'll go Okada's. I like the little uh, the reverse audio tape gimmick thing that they 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 have in the, in the beginning of the song. So I'll go there. I really like the new Killer Elite Squad theme song. That's my pick. I think it just it's almost weirdly babyface for them in the opening. But I don't know. I really enjoy that theme song for some reason. So that's my pick. Um, all right. So we went a little long, but I think we covered almost everything you could want to cover here about New Japan's 2018. Thank you to all four of you for coming on. Um, let's get plugs going here. August, plug away. Uh, sure. You can follow me on Twitter. It's AugustBaker12. Um, you can read my stuff on Voices of Wrestling, like how Kazuchika Okada is a terrible faction leader. And that's about it. Uh, Evan, give me some plugs. All right. My Twitter is EvanDeadlySinsW. I am a moderator of the New Japan Pro Wrestling subreddit. That's reddit.com slash r slash njpw. And uh, a little message. You can't accept your parents' apology if you refuse to answer their calls. And that's why you should watch Wrestle Kingdom even if you're sad about New Japan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Joel, give me... Oh, well, uh, you... Joel and Damon could really go together here, but Joel, why don't you start? Okay, well, Damon and I run a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast on the Voices of Wrestling network called Super Jcast. So you can follow us on Twitter at the Super Jcast. Or if you want to see photos of my cat Scampy, you can follow me at Joel J. Abraham. And Damon, of course, you want to plug your personal social media. Big fan of social media, Damon McDonald. I hate it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't got shit. Um, I'll tell you what, though. If you want, listen to our show. It's awesome. Joel's great. He's fucking hilarious, um, and I'm pretty funny myself. And we talk about New Japan too. And uh, buy a T-shirt at ProWrestlingTees.com/slash SuperJCast. You'll look sharp with all, for all uh, uh, the holiday things that are going on. And uh, I guess the only social media thing I got is hey, if you want to follow me on Spotify, knock yourself out, Damon McD on Spotify. So uh, you can watch me listen to terrible music. Oh wow, I'm the, I'm the only person on earth that uses Apple Music, so I can't do that, unfortunately. You get all the Jay Z's. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have it because of the J- Japanese Apple Music, really. All right. Uh, yeah, have, you... that's it for us. Yeah. All right. So, thank you as always for listening, folks. You can follow us on Twitter at Wrestle Omakase. Wrestling does not fit. We'll be back next week. Um, well, actually, no, probably like five, four or five days from now from when you listen to this with our Wrestle Kingdom review. That will be our next episode. But thank you for listening to the entire year interview series. Uh, Thank you again to our guests for coming on, and we will see you next time. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 